This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mise they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound-me-in-the-ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The A-Team. KYT. It's just like, what? Not everything I do is like horrible. <laughs> like, yeah. You can't have it both ways, old man. <laughs> Jay Boosh. Damn it! Why am I always so ahead of the curve and then somebody like Owen makes a deck popular and now I sound like every deck brewer on the planet? Scotty. It's actually a secret ploy for her to get you two to spend more time together. Your mom next levels you. You look serious. And Jeremy. Do you know how hard it is to buy Korean singles? No. And when you put Korean singles into Googles, do you know what you get? You don't get magic cards. <laughs> and now, the A-Team. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 180 of the A-Team podcast. Mr. Scotty Mack here, joined as always by my esteemed co-hosts. I'm reading right from the page. KYT! Woo! Jay! Motherfucking Blouch! And Jeremy Scopey. We miss Kyle. Yes, we miss Kyle. We would have been recording for the last hour if Kyle had been around, but unfortunately you guys miss all of this nonsense that we uh, are going to have to leave out in the nether voids. All the good stuff's gone already. Yeah, now you get stuck with us. The leftovers, the refuse. Speaking of refuse, Junk won the Pro Tour. I don't know if you guys know that. Pro Tour happened this weekend. Yep. It was like junk, uh, like enchantments or something? No. Uh, so it was junk on junk. It was a bunch of hot junk smashing into each other. Where everyone watched. <laughs> there were like oh, almost 20,000 people watching junk smash into each other. And, uh, 20, oh, well, I don't know. It was a whole fucking ton. Maybe it was 14,000, but whatever. But, um, yeah, so we had, uh, we had, what is it? KYT, what was his name? He's one of your people, right? <laughs> like an Asian person? What are you yeah. talking about? One of yeah. people. Yeah, was it, what is it? Nam, Namsung what? <laughs> I think he's Korean. And yeah, Nam I know. Sung I'm Wook. fucking with you, aren't you? But isn't it the same thing? <laughs> careful. Anyway, careful, careful. I'm just, I'm just teasing. Um, yeah, so think... Namsung Fook, was it or something? Wook, Anyways. Wook. Okay, so he had the Junk Constellation deck, and it was like an Eidolon of Blossoms, Doomwake Giant, like Banishing Light, Crazy, Corsair Crufix nonsense. Like, all of the decks of the format were basically defined by Sylvan Carried and Corsair Crufix. Uh, and then it was actually won um, by Patrick Chapin, who piloted, yeah, his, piloted his own version of Junk Midrange. And it was sort of, uh, it was nice. Because it was a little bit more aggressive than some of the other uh, mid-rangey controlly decks, like the bug control list that uh, everyone else brought, and he focused on cards like uh, Fleece Mainline and Brimaz being really heavily uh, featured in the deck in conjunction with the the you know mana ramp and mana fixing engines and civilian carrieds and 
coarser graphics with all of the removal suite that the bug car, uh, the bug decks were enjoying, which is like Heroes Downfalls and uh, a couple banish a banishing light and the Strive card uh, punish the believers. So it was it was pretty good, and obviously he he did very well. He tuned his deck to beat the bug decks, and uh, otherwise had pretty good matchups against the field and tore it down. Sweet. Yeah. He was pretty excited. Basically said it was his PTQ. Coverage was good to watch. It's so funny, because as big as we bagged on Block being fucking miserable, it was actually a really good Pro Tour to watch. There were some really good stories coming out of there. Yeah? Yeah. But just, you know, like, Chapin on his Meteoric Rise and Reduke top eighting and nearly fucking falling after he made top eight on Pro, like, on coverage, which is sweet. And, you know, like Josh Utter Layton making it into and, you know, potentially reprising his player of the year and, you know, make it, trying to make a real race of it. Um, and like that. And there was some uh, Italian kid who was making who was like in the winter yeah. seat all day. And, and Gucci beat. Uh, beat one of my or beat one of uh, Huska's players in the draft. Yeah. So first round, actually. First round. Our own King of the Hill. And, that's right. So it was it was good. Like they did a really good job of coverage. Uh, it's interesting because like Randy Bueller is is such a brewer. Like he's an old school guy. Loves meta games. Loves you know breaking of the formats. Like he was around for when so many formats just got snapped in half. You know, like fucking put over his knee and just and like because like cards were just broken back then, right? Like sets were just designed worse. I mean, Jay, I know recently you've had an experience with like ridiculously broken set creation that are designed badly. Um, yes. <laughs> so I want to ask about it. I saw you mentioned it on Twitter. I want to ask about it. And uh, and so, like, it's nice to hear him get so excited about Block because, like, as much as we bag on it, Block Constructed is the only pro tour the entire year where somebody can literally break the metagame because there is no metagame. Like, standard, everyone knows what's going on. There's so much stuff that happens. Everybody just knows. But, like, Block, there are no real tournaments to speak of. Sure, there's, like, Moto results and stuff, but the Block Pro Tour happens, like, almost a week after Journey's release, or the new set is released uh, on Moto. So there's, like, almost nothing, really, to go on, because nobody's testing all of their, like, major brews in any of the big prominent uh, tournaments, so a lot of the results don't get posted. So it's the only tournament where you could watch it, and somebody might actually just have the deck. Mm-hmm. I think standard is still possible for that to happen. No, standard yeah. is solved. I think when you have the start of a brand new block, that's where you start to see that, like, yeah. the standard at the beginning of the block, uh, because now there's two standards, the standard at the beginning of the block has the opportunity to still shock and amaze. Oh, that's, yeah, for, for like a week, yeah, for sure. sure. Yeah, and, and I can't believe that. That's why the tournament is so early when the set comes out. Like, it's, it's, it's there to break it open. The SCG tournaments are usually level one decks where it's all of last season's decks sprinkled with a couple new cards, but the Pro Tour is where you'll first see, like, kind of the crazy stuff really got unleashed. Like, we were talking about the weekend before the Pro Tour of Return to Ravnica. Why is Master of Waves so many tickets on Magic Online, but it's in no decks? And then we saw the card go and just crush the tournament. So, like, it's, I don't think it's fair to say that Standard doesn't have any mystery, but Block is 100% mystery. So, yeah, I agree I with that. Going there. And I, I actually watched some of the coverage. I felt uh, Scott was on point. I agree with him that 
I was more, more watching for the personalities and who was going to make it or who almost made it because uh, from a deck diversity standpoint, a lot of the feature matches were like um, Fleece Main, uh, not, sorry, not Fleece Main, but Corsair Cruffix and Sylvan Carrier did like same deck, same cards going at each other. But it's also interesting from a standpoint of um, when, like, when you watch mirror matches, that's when you see, uh, that's when skill can be more of a factor. And just watching, like, uh, which spell Reed Duke decided to dissolve or which spell he chose to save dissolve for was very interesting to me. And how, like, you'd have Zach Hill question, like, ask, like, why didn't he dissolve the Courser here? But no, he's saving it for something more uh, important, like a Prox Sphinx or something like that. So that, for me, from that perspective, it was interesting. Um, so that's how I enjoyed watching the matches, but it wasn't it wasn't about the diversity of the decks. But sadly, Reduke, I think, uh, mulliganed himself out of yeah. being able to win the Pro Tour. Sadly, um, it's you know what I, I was really really pleased with uh, the decks that people brought. I I was actually really really happy to see that. A lot of people didn't sort of just relegate themselves to the stupid aggro decks. Like Jared Betcher had a like those guys had a, a and Dan Jordan and stuff. They had a pretty good deck. Um, they, had, they had a plan. Like they knew what was going on with the meta. Uh, he actually recently did um, a Sed talks with Cedric, which I listened to today, which was actually very good. Uh, he is your new basically your your runaway with it rookie of the year uh, for us this year. So you'll see him in you'll see a whole hell of a lot of him uh, moving up in the next few months. But um, like they had a blue white heroic deck, which was focused on like it. It almost felt like it was hexproof. Like they're playing aqueous forms and shit, and whatever the quick enchantment is to give them flying or whatever. So just so like they could just evade everything and just attack and just you know attack, 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 attack. And I mean, like he did fairly well with it, and he did well in his drafts and stuff. He came in ninth in this pro tour, narrowly missing to Raptor. Um, but it was nice to see, like, the CFB guys all playing fucking, and, like, both ends of them, playing this deck that they could actually capitalize on their star-studded prowess at this game, you know? No more of these, like, dumb combo-y, like, they played Red Devotion at Pro Tour Theros, and it's just like, well, whatever, I'll just jam all these big turtles out and see if you can beat them. Like, it didn't really cater to their play skill potential, right? They didn't give them the, the play to outplay their opponents, and I was really pleased to see this deck. It looked pretty sweet. I, I was honestly sad that Shaheen couldn't do better with his Esper deck. <laughs> I mean, like, was it the deck that did poorly, or did he just not do so well in draft? Like that—that that I don't know. Um, let me see if I can quickly pull this up. But his deck looks sweet. <laughs> Eighteen points in constructed, twelve points in draft. So I guess he did okay, like in both. Yeah. But yeah, it was uh it was just awesome to watch. It really just was awesome. Yeah, I was surprised about like the, the inclusion of psychic intrusion. Like seeing that being played was, was surprising and seeing how um useful it was in, in certain stretches of the game when I didn't I obviously before this probably thought the card wasn't playable. Um I don't know about you guys, but it definitely impressed me. Neat. Yeah. It's block though also, so it's I don't I don't actually know what that card does, so Um so it's uh five to cast. 
sorcery, three colorless blue and a black, and your opponent reveals their hand and you choose um, any, any card from his hand or graveyard, and you, may, you, may, you sort of steal it in a way, but you can cast that card. Um, and any of the mana you use to cast it can be colorless. Yeah. So I think it's more of a because you just want like specific threats like uh, because like you said Jared's block like there's Prox Sphinx or their Kiora or whatever uh, there's only so many of them that you just want to steal it from their hand or even just get it from the graveyard to get additional to sort of have a pseudo fifth copy of one of your best cards so it was interesting to see that because I would just have dismissed it right away and uh, but to see that in play was kind of neat. So yeah, it was uh it was like super super amazing. Super amazing. And it was I watched almost all of it actually. I don't think I really oh, took yeah? much break. Yeah. Yeah, I had a quiet weekend alone with the kids and uh, actually just my my daughter. So, you know, she had the TV and I had my tablet and then when she wanted to play games, then I put it on the TV and through my Xbox and she could play on the tablet and you know, we got a bunch of stuff done and played while it was in the background. It was a pretty sweet weekend, man. Nice and relaxing. Pro Tour and family. Okay, so who who lost? Who lost their little uh, contest here? Ah, oh, I think we all know who lost. <laughs> I think it's very apparent who lost. Team Moxie just was lacking a little Moxie. Sucked. And he sounded pretty confident. <laughs> I was. Team let you down, man. Team let you down. Did you pick, was it you that picked, like, just some random Jobin? Or was that Curly? What do you mean, some random Jobin? There were no, like no, there guy, were no there random like some Jobins. some guy that no one had ever heard of, wasn't there? No. Some, some guys, like, yeah, well, coming game. from you doesn't mean, like, uh, a whole lot, because you don't know who anybody is. That's true. Like, you, had, <laughs> you, you couldn't even figure out who to draft. Like, it was very difficult <laughs> for you to come up with four players. Listen how bitter this guy is for losing. <laughs> Uh, I know everything about all these Pro Tour guys, and I still can't win. Uh, uh. <laughs> I mean, he's got you there. Oh. So you're going to you're gonna have to do an episode of Heavy Meta. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait to listen to it. He might actually listen to it. And take off my pants, and it'll be great. You'll fit right in. <laughs> be right at home. <laughs> Oh, beautiful. Yeah, so we had, uh, so there was a, a an, an awesome listener that ended up doing a spreadsheet for us. And uh, that listener's name is. Click, click, click. Wait, wait, wait. Find, find, find. Come on, Internet. Stop sucking. Uh, Benjamin. Benjamin Auden. Thank you very much for doing the spreadsheet. It was fantastic. We, uh,. We will certainly make sure that uh, Jeremy fills his bet obligations. Well, if they'll let me. So, Maddie, Kevy, call me. Yeah, call me. <laughs> so, yeah, it was good. I'm blown away. Like, just absolutely terrible. So, okay. So, <laughs> Shahar was your top guy, and he made three points, earning himself a rank of 74. And yes. then Makihito Mahara 
earns you three points for his 104th place finish. Yeah. And Jacob Wilson earns you three points for his 287th place finish. Yeah, let's just put one thing in perspective for everybody who's listening. Sure. If you show up, if you walk in the door and are able to identify yourself, you get three pro points. I was going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And Sam Pardee earned you three points for his 312th place at the Pro Tour. Nice. 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 (laughs) So, I was expecting some party time. That was was my, like... So, So, what did you base your picks on, Jeremy, when you were picking them? Well, Shahar Shinar has Moxie. Uh, okay. Mahara brews up crazy stuff, so I thought he might have something crazy. Uh, Jacob Wilson's just been on a tear. And Sam Party's really good at limited. And Ben Stark's already gone. <laughs> That's <laughs> fair. True, yeah. yeah. He was uh, my first pick and was my second worst pick. Yep. Yeah. Out of the three of out of the four of us, I came in. Uh, third, with a total of 22 points, I guess. Is that how we did it? Total pro points? Yeah, yeah he did it, but he subtracted. You look like average rank, like your average player ranked at just over <laughs> 86. My average player ranked at 194th place. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's Whereas, true. Whereas, like, KYT's was 26th place. Yeah, so KYT, KYT picked, picked real tight. Scott, he, he subtracted, like, he subtracted three from, from all your guys. Uh, he subtracted like the participation pro point, and that's why that's why you have twenty two. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. So that's why you end up with twenty two. Me and Jay tied for first with twenty six. I mean, I, I took the safe. Oh, yeah. team. I felt I took the safe team, like like the three most solid, consistent guys in in the past couple of months. So wasn't surprised to to do well. Was hoping to get first and got there. So yeah. Um, would have been runaway if I if I took Raptor instead of Yuya in the last pick. Those were my last two picks. So. Yeah, it would have been a runaway. You would have like slam dunk, <laughs> shut the door, call it a day. But yep, Wesco let me down. 196th place. Sad panda. But, yeah, oh, that was that was fun. We should do that again next time. Yeah, I yeah. love how he admitted that he played the second best deck on their team. <laughs> Wesco. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You just well, like, said had, that out loud? Yeah, he's like, it had white cards, so I yeah. made it. He's like, my job on the team is to find out if there is a white deck in the format. Yeah. <laughs> uh, make sure that it's the best white deck possible. And then if it's the best deck, everyone else will play it. And if not, I'll just play it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if not, he'll still play that deck no matter what. Like, <laughs> yeah. Even if not, like, I'll just, I'll just play it. That's my yeah. job. He says it's just me. I'll play it. <laughs> yeah it was but you know what it was nice it's like that's just an example of some of the narratives that were coming out right like we really saw a lot of the people and a lot of the characters that were there and uh i thought that was i thought it was pretty exciting and i mean like it was wide open too so they were doing like all sorts of crazy stuff for everyone and taking pictures and making tokens and there were cosplayers like bonkers and i think fucking spranks gave away the trophy or something like that to chapin it was pretty sweet so I'm interested to find out what Sprank's role is lately, because she just seems to be popping up fucking everywhere. Well, I think she's yeah, like... Yeah, just, just fly her around to be representative. Yeah, like I, but I don't know. I, that's what I'm saying. I, I just would love to know if that's the case, because I don't know if it's the case. 
<laughs> well, she still does all of her own like separate cosplay stuff on the side. So I think she's just she's a freelance cosplayer, and if Wizards wants her for an event, they'll hire her and fly her out. Which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Jay, I mean, you like dress up. <laughs> yeah, Jay. I can dress up. Yeah. So they can fly you around. I Come on, Matt. Here, what's coming up? I just hate magic so much that I'm gonna switch into being a cosplayer. So I mean, like, I'll dress up. Maybe I'll dress up as Alan Ruck. So for those of you who don't know who that is, he's the very famous uh, guy from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, Cameron. Yep. Cameron. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. He's going to be Alan, at the Niagara Falls uh, Comic Con. Yeah, he's going to be at the Niagara Falls Comic Con along with Anthony Forrest, who played the uh, Star, or sorry, Stormtrooper, who said, uh, <laughs> uh, and then uh, Obi Wan Kenobi was like, "These are not the droids you're looking for." And then he was like, "These are not the droids we're looking for." And then he was like, "You'll let us go." And then he's like, "We'll let you go." So you could get a picture with that guy for forty bucks, who doesn't even have his face in the movie. So you you could just be getting a picture of anybody. Hey Anthony, Anthony, say the line, and he'll be like, "These are not the droids you're looking for." And then you're like, "I don't even know if it's you." I don't even know. <laughs> but uh, you know, I mean, for fifty bucks, you can get a picture with Chandler Riggs, who is uh, Coral on uh, The Walking Dead. Carl. Yeah. Carl. Okay, that was Coral. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Ernie Hudson, though. Ernie Hudson is somebody who you should definitely get a picture from. He's got this. He does all these great like, noises, and he was also the Black Ghostbuster. And I really wish I didn't have to call him the Black Ghostbuster. Are you I'm sure, sure he does all the noises, and you're not convinced? You're not confusing him with Michael <laughs> Winslow. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe I am. Maybe. Are I you am. thinking about the guy yeah, yeah. from Police Academy? That was Michael Winslow. Okay, well, oh I've never goodness. seen Academy, but I think I am thinking of that guy. So, it's okay, yeah, so I take it back. Just the Black Ghostbuster. Just the Black Ghostbuster, not the guy who made all You know, the technically, you could it, say uh, he's he the fourth also... Ghostbuster, and it's okay. The fourth Ghostbuster? Yeah. So that sounds worse. No. No, I, I don't think it does at all. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there are very specific racist groups that would agree with me. That sounds so much worse. Oh, man, but James Tolkien's going to be there. James Tolkien is the crotchety old, bald, Mr. Burns haircut-having motherfucker who was in, like, uh, he was in Back to the Future. He was in, uh, you know, like, all the Back to the Future. You know who he was? He was in was? War Games. You know who uh, he was? He was in Dick Tracy. He was the fucking cop in Masters of the Universe. Yeah, I was just going to get it. You ruined it. You ruined it. Yeah, Suck he it. was the jerk cop with the shotgun in Masters of the Universe. Masters of the Universe, which is I have the power. And Skeletor. That's right. And So you did. That's 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 cool. Fried chicken. That's Don't forget the fried chicken. That's yeah, right. And these, these, how do they, these, how do they get these food on these little sticks? Those aren't sticks. Those are bones. That's a line from the movie. That's it is. So, you know, stupid idiots. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a super amazing event, by the way. I am really excited. If any of you are remotely thinking about doing something that weekend, it is the. Uh, June sixth, seventh, eighth weekend. It's uh the Niagara Falls Comic Con is a whole hell of a lot of fun. There's a crazy magic tournament we've talked about it. KYT and I are both slinging at it. Um, so there's like a standard GPT for Chicago. Uh, great prizes and wicked support. The guys that run it are amazing. Um, but like 
also what's really, really exciting is on Sunday, there's... So there was something that happened at the Pro Tour that they showed this video about conspiracy? Ah! How insane is this set? I'm so excited. This is like... Yeah, that, that video was super awesome, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, so, it was pretty damn good. Like, well-produced, and, like, everyone that was in it had a good time, and it was really awesome. And, uh, so we're gonna do a conspiracy release party on Sunday, which means all day we will do nothing but mono-draft conspiracy. That's pretty sweet. I, I'm gonna, like, me and the bros have decided that we're gonna, uh, like, mega-draft conspiracy. Like, we're just gonna go deep on it. So, I don't know the... I don't know too much about it outside of watching the video. What's the supply on it? Is it gonna be, like, really it's limited? No, it's supposed to be. They'll print it as much as people will buy it. Yeah. Wow. This is the first time. Mark, Mark Rosewater. Mark Rosewater said it will not be a limited print set. Well, it's the first time I've seen you like ecstatic on Twitter about something. Like you were constantly tweeting about it. It's like, what the fuck's going yeah, on? Yeah, they're the going to make ever. something that is actually good. <laughs> <laughs> Since plane it's like chase. it's like they're bringing back plane chase. That's exactly what it is like. It yeah. is like that. Yeah, no, I think Playing that the, the, the format that nobody plays. It's nice because it's like everyone has been talking for a while about like how do they make a cube, right? Like Moto Cube came out and they're like, this should just release a cube product where it's just a cube and you can just draft with your friends and then fucking, and it's like a do it yourself cube. Well, it's like go buy a box of Conspiracy. It's a fucking yeah. cube in a box. <laughs> go and do it. That's different every time, which is sweet. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, too, is like, uh, like, Wizards needs to make money too, right? They're not yeah. gonna they're gonna put out a cube thing you can never buy cards from them ever again. Um so, you know. Like this is the next best thing. And it's fucking awesome. And there are so <laughs> many, so many wicked, wicked cards that are um there's so many wicked wicked cards that are being reprinted, and they're being reprinted in foil. Some of them like for the first time ever. Like uh Exploration. Exploration with new yeah. art and potentially in foil and you can get like foil brainstorms and foils you know swords to plowshares depending on the art but anyways yeah it's like really really awesome yeah i was watching it and I, I felt like it was almost across like some of the different abilities were i i felt like i was watching some people play unglued you know or something <laughs> like yeah. yeah some of the stuff was just wild <laughs> the whole let's all vote. Do we copy the spell or do I counter the spell? <laughs> yeah. Or like the post-it notes that people had just to like keep their to mark their secret um name whatever they were gonna name for their conspiracy cards. Yeah. Just felt, had well, a lot of yeah. Just reminded me that. <laughs> Yeah, so what I thought was was really really neat too is um they had some like really really amazing people to to come on and like really test the product. And like we talked about the video that was really really good. Um but like it was nice to see Kenji there, you know, and like yeah. David Williams. Like David Williams is a really really nice guy to play multiplayer with. Like I played him uh like I played commander with him and Trick and stuff online and like he's just a really nice guy and chatty and like we know Kenji's awesome. 
And uh, the the people. Man, I didn't think Kenji was very good, but then all of a sudden I watched that video and I was like, "Holy shit, this guy's like the real deal." I I can't <laughs> believe you've never watched him stream. Like we almost had him on the show and then he slept in, so that was fucking shitty. The only reason we haven't had him. So did I hear that correctly? Yeah, yeah. He actually slept well because I mean, like he was working nights, right? So so he was going to get up and oh. do our show, and actually slept through it and didn't attend our show. So we actually did book him once. We did do that. But yeah, the the um, Marshall obviously is always fun to watch. We see him on coverage all the time, and that's sweet. But like Nathan and BDM always love watching BDM fucking draft decks and play them. He's just hilarious. But, oh, man. Yeah. And like he was just ranching people. Like he was the he was the arch enemy, and I thought that was fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. And then there was this one time where somebody was like, I'll fucking murder your thing or whatever, and I'll do something super crazy. And somebody in the background yelled, boosh! And I was like, fuck yeah. That was Marshall. <laughs> yeah. So go Marshall. It's also, just funny I since Jamie. I know he loved me. <laughs> he slipping stuff into official magic production. <laughs> yeah. He could have said he could have said, uh scumbag and but he doesn't like Jeremy that much. That hurts my feelings. Batman But that would have been weird. So was there uh was there anyone else that got added in? Yeah, was there anyone else that got added to the video? Like there was someone else in there, right? Uh I missed who you guys were talking about because I had to leave. Uh but it was like there was (laughs) did you guys talk about David Williams? Yep. (laughs) I think that there is some sort of segue happening here. Oh, I see. <laughs> I missed the segue. Maybe if we had Kyle, we could edit that. But, uh, but no. But no. Uh, Alright, make a time marker right now. Well, Toby Elliott was there. Try 2830. 2830, okay. Try 2830. I mean, it's probably 35 at this point, but I'm going to pause right at 29. Yeah, I wish there was, like, someone else that we could talk to about this product, because it just looked like it was so much fun. Um, yeah, I think it looks like it's, like, going to be, like, Conspiracy is going to be, like, the best magic product ever. What? <laughs> I mean, like, that's really lofty. I I don't, I, I really don't think that I would be able to just take your word for it. Like, <laughs> I, I would have to ask an expert. Can I, can I phone it's, a friend? Sure. I mean, I don't know if we know anybody that's ever that's played it yet. It's not out yet. Yeah. And Kenji what? doesn't answer our calls anymore. Yeah, yeah he's, he's, t- <laughs> he's too big Kenji's time. Kenji's sleeping for us. in. He's, he's too big time for us. And too busy playing Hearthstone. <laughs> yeah. He probably uh, just can't see the little on the Batman phone. There's that little red light that lights up. He probably just can't see it with his you know eagle of eagle of hair on his head like uh, Nicholas Cage. You know. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. This is terrible. Wait a minute. <laughs> you know what? I, let Dad have his fun. I let Dad have his fun. I think we've got somebody here that could give us some really, really good uh, perspective on the experiences with Conspiracy. I would like to take this opportunity to ask all of you to welcome the one, the only Chris Clue to the show. Chris, how you doing? Hey, 
Good. How's it going? Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Now, Chris, in the video, in the video that you did for conspiracy, uh, just because I want to make sure we get this out of the way, uh, you <laughs> said that your last name is Cluey, correct? Correct. Right. And I've had people like fight me about that and say like, "No, I met him and he said it's Cluey." <laughs> It's no, no, it's it's clearly it's uh, unless I've been saying it wrong for thirty-two years. <laughs> nice. Okay, good. So we have Chris Cluey joining us. Uh, for those of you that uh, aren't super familiar with uh, Chris Cluey, I think it's Chris Warcraft on Twitter, correct? Yep, that is correct. So Chris Warcraft on uh, Twitter, and uh, Chris actually used to play in the NFL. Uh, so easily the the biggest probably celebrity we've had on the show, I think, right? By not a small well, I mean, I am, I, I am a punter, so I don't know how much celebrity <laughs> that really is. Hey, we're from Canada. They kick the football a lot up here. We, we're, we're totally cool with that. Oh, yeah, yeah fair it. enough. So. Yeah, that's right. Your, your punters can actually score. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> I think there's a CFL career out there for you somewhere if you, you want to lace it back up. And I mean, yeah. you, used to play for, you used to play for Minnesota, so I know you know how to play in the cold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Minnesota's what? Just Canada South? It's uh, basically it's yeah, not, yeah. not very warm there. So, um, so yeah, so Chris was, uh, for those of you that didn't get to see it, there was a pro tour uh, recently that Patrick Chapin won. Woo, congratulations. And um, during that pro tour, there was a, um, a video that Wizards released about the upcoming Magic Conspiracy set, which, for those of you that don't know, I, uh, I, I'm i sure that you all do, but just in case. Um, it's the Summer Magic product that's going to be coming out this year to match basically last year's um, Modern Masters. So they put out a video for it because it's a, it, it's almost like a cube product like that they're building. So there's a bunch of like cards that affect the draft. There's a bunch of really awesome cards from other sets that are going to be reprinted in there, and it's meant for drafting. And uh, and then men for playing in multiplayer. And Chris was lucky enough to be one of the guys. Uh, I think there was eight of you uh, that got to yeah. draft the set for the first time, right? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was pretty sweet. We we all had a really good time, and um, it was a lot of fun too because we had no idea what the format was going to be like. So we're all just like, what what are these cards? What's going to happen? And then as we started opening packs, it's like this is amazing. <laughs> so so how did that how did that all happen? Like like did they just contact you and say, hey, we're thinking about doing this video? Like was was were was Nathan behind it? Like, what? How did that all happen behind the scenes? Um, well, I, I know a couple of people uh, at Wizards, um, namely uh, Worth Wolper, who I think runs most of their like community stuff, and then um, uh, Mark Gottlieb. I've gotten to know fairly well. He's he's a pretty big uh, Vikings fan, and then um, a couple other guys, uh, Scott Larrabee, who doesn't work at Wizards, I don't think, but involved in a lot of stuff. And uh, anyway, so so when they were, I guess, sort of thinking up people to do this, um, they reached out and, and said, hey, would you be interested in doing something like this? And I was like, yes. Duh. <laughs> do you really need to ask that question? <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was, it was really cool, though. So, so they sent me an email. I was like, yeah, just tell me where to show up. And then nice. so you showed up. You showed up, and then did they give you any, like, was there anything before that that you kind of, like, had any idea about the, the cards at all, like, anything? No, no, it was full, you know, here here are brand new cards, there are new mechanics in here that you're not going to have any idea what they do, and uh, go nuts, let's see what happens. That's crazy, man, that's crazy. So do you draft, like, do you get a chance to draft prolifically then, like, are you, or was it kind of just, 
like a once in a while thing for you, and it was just fun. Yeah, I, I draft occasionally. Um, not nowhere near on the level as the other guys, but uh, it's uh, you know for for me, I thought it would be a really cool opportunity, you know, just to do some drafting, and then also to kind of you know see how these guys do it because they're all very very good at you know drafting magic cards and um if i had been able to read my card text i probably would have played a bit better but <laughs> i was i was relying on a combo that didn't really work the way i thought it worked so that was <laughs> sad <laughs> yeah re- reading comprehension is important knowing knowing when the various steps happen is important <laughs> that happens that happens to me a lot in draft where you're just like yeah and then i do this and then you're like yeah that's a uh, that doesn't work that way it is this oh Oh my Sad god! Yeah. And especially, if, especially in, if it's something super powerful that you can build around, or like that you think you could build around, you know. Yeah. So you build a whole deck based on maybe these combos, and then you're just like, oh, well, in that case, my deck's a big piece of shit. Good game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've got a flaming pile of hot garbage here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it was it was a lot of fun. That's awesome. Like, so did you? Um, like, when did you guys record that? Like um, let's see. I, I want to say it was probably about a month and a half ago, maybe a month ago. It was. Uh, it wasn't too long ago. It, so, but it, it was. was uh, it was like before all the spoilers came out. So you literally had never seen one of these cards. Right. Right. Exactly. And and it was. You know, I I think they gave. They actually had us uh, spoil some of the cards. So you know the, yeah. the spoilers that you've seen over like the last week or so. You know those were. Those were cards that they had us, you know, kind of spoil after we had revealed them in the packs, and yeah. uh, they... which I thought was really cool. Like, how cool is it that the that the first time ever that I see a card is when somebody opens it, and it's also the first time they see it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was, it, 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 and I think that was one of the coolest parts was just going through the draft packs and seeing what cards were available because none of us had any idea, you know, what we were going to build our deck around. Because nowadays, usually when when you're doing drafting or or anything like it, you you know what the set contained. They release card list before you know the set's even out, so you kind of have an idea. Okay, here's what I can build around. Here are going to be my power cards. You know, here's what I'm looking for. But with this, it was like, okay, we have cards in here. We'll just wing it. Man, I yeah, can't there. even imagine trying that. That that. That sounds just crazy. Like, I've never drafted like that before, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was also actually a lot of fun because, um, you know, you really, you're really flying kind of by the seat of your pants. And uh, you just, you know, you, you have to react. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, what was it like to draft, uh, like, a set like that where, like, from the first, like, five seconds of the draft, you're already not doing something you're used to have ever done before? It was really cool. I mean, it, it normally with uh, with drafting, you already know what's in the set before it even comes out because it's it's been spoiled by you know by wizards that they give you the complete card list. And um, when you when you see brand new cards for the first time and and how they all go together, then you really kind of have to fly more by the the seat of your pants. You you don't really know what you're going to be building your deck around, so it's more just kind of reacting to what's going in front of you and. Your plans may change like halfway through the draft when you see different cards. So it was it was a really fun experience. That's pretty sweet. Like so, what was your what was your favorite card? Because I mean, I'm I'm sure that there were some parts that were edited out, some cards maybe we didn't get to see you draft and stuff. But like out of the new cards in the set, what was your favorite card that you got to draft slash play? 
Um, I think my favorite ones actually were the ones that modified how the decks were played, like the actual conspiracy cards themselves, because that's a really cool mechanic, and it really it can really change how you play your deck. I mean, uh, I, I forget who it was, but um, you know, some someone basically built their entire deck around using the conspiracy cards to bring out creatures for less cost. The creatures were more powerful, and you could also go you know searching for new ones whenever you brought another one out. And it's it's just like I mean it completely changes how you play your deck, which is really yeah, cool. I think that was Marshall, and yeah, he had yeah. like he had the one that gave haste to a named creature, and the one that made it plus one plus one counter, and the one that made it cost one less. And mm-hmm. and, he, and then he named uh, that bird. That yeah, yeah, the seagull thing. Yeah, it's like so now instead of being like a two two flyer for five that finds other two two flyers for five, it's a three three flying haste for four. Yeah, that, that, that also finds. Yeah, like that's <laughs> that's crazy. And he said too, he like the, the thing that I thought was really interesting because Marshall's you know like you know one of the best limited analysts uh, on the planet type of thing. The thing that I thought was so cool <laughs> is that he he didn't know like how good these were, but he was just like these have to be good. They're, these, these, this is crazy. These are crazy. I'm drafting nine of these, and he took like nine conspiracies. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it worked out. I mean, it was, I don't think any of us had any idea how good the conspiracies were until we kind of saw them all going together like that, and then it's like, oh, oh, we yeah. should have taken those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, like somebody playing three three flying haste guys that find other three three flying haste guys like in any format for any mana cost that's powerful. You know? Yeah, it's it's pretty legit. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So, uh, so you, like you had a great time drafting conspiracy, and uh, for me, I, I I gotta say, like I I was like I was pretty stoked for conspiracy, but we'd only seen like at that point that the video had come out last weekend, we'd only seen like I want to say like maybe ten cards. Like we hadn't seen yeah. they were starting to come out, but we hadn't seen a whole lot of them. And uh, and then watching the video, like, f- first of all, it's the first magic video I've ever watched uh, that, like, f- start to finish without skipping it or just being like, well, whatever. Second of all, uh, it was like, it, like, KYT was talking earlier before you got here, but it jacked me up so much <laughs> for this set. Like, I, I was, like, nonstop <laughs> tweeting about it. Like, the video, you guys on the video did such a great job. Selling of, the like, product, sell- yeah. Like it just—it looked like you were having the best time ever. Yeah, like, well, ever. well, it was—it was great, and, and I mean, to Wizards' credit, like they've—they've they've made a product where we all wanted conspiracy boxes. Like when we were done, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, we were like, "Give us boxes of this because this is awesome." <laughs> like, you and every other Magic player that watched the Pro Tour, yeah, like yeah. literally, literally, I was just like, I couldn't. I, I was telling everybody, I'm like, "You have to go watch this right now." I watched it twice. I was like, I tweeted, "I'm watching this. I'm watching this video again." And if you don't watch it again, fuck you. You're wrong. Like it was. It's crazy. It's so yeah. good. It's so oh, good, you know. I, actually, I want to say my—I I just remember my my actual favorite card from Conspiracy was the one that um, it's the rare that you reveal it to open a pack from any other expansion oh, yeah, in yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that card was so good. What was it? It like was Booster Lore? Tutor or something like that. Yeah, Lore, yeah. Lore, Lore Seeker. It's a okay. This is the other thing. It's just a two-two colorless guy for two. That's, yeah. a fine, that's a fine card to play in your deck. <laughs> yeah, you can still use it. Yeah, and then He's so a bear. You, try, you you reveal it when you draft it, and then after you draft it, you can add a booster pack to the draft. And, of anything. Uh, any, <laughs> any booster you want. That's crazy talk. That is crazy. Yeah. 
I mean, because because that again, that can totally change the mechanics of the game too. Like you throw a time spiral pack in there, and all of a sudden it's like, um, okay, I wasn't expecting those cards to be played, yeah. but here we are. Like, if you've wacky drafted or played anti league or something before, like you totally know that feeling where it's just like how like there's no synergies whatsoever. Yeah. You know, but, you play like yeah. Kamigawa block with Lorwyn, yeah. and you're just like, what are we even doing here? Yeah. But you could open some super bomb, like just some super <laughs> bomb that just you know nobody has an answer to. Because because it's because there's no answer in that set. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, so that's. I think it's really cool. And like I said, this this the video made it like just put it over the top for me. It was already I was already like really excited to play it. And then when I heard that it wasn't going to be all new cards, that some of it was going to be reprints, I was kind of like a little bit disappointed. Um, just because some of the spoilers just didn't seem very like drafty to me. And then when you guys did that video, I was just like, wow, this is so freaking sweet you know yeah, some of these reprints are really awesome yeah like the ellish norn route that is yeah. so hot that's like that's so cool and the flavor text the flavor text is the best thing on that card when she's basically just tells everybody to be quiet because she doesn't have time for this <laughs> like how <laughs> yep. fucking awesome is that yep yeah it's a, like like i said i think i think wizards really did a really good job with this and i mean i i know for me personally i'm i'm definitely picking up a box of conspiracy just because it's something that you can pull out like with anyone who wants to play magic and just have a good time with random card interactions i mean there's just so many different things that are going on that it's it's it looks like it'll always be fun to play for a draft night yeah yeah i think that's and that's like that's a really big you know that's a really really big selling point for i giving any magic set and and especially one that you're i mean obviously that you're releasing that's draft centric but they really i feel like they you know they they hit the ball right out of the park like they couldn't have made it looks like they couldn't have made this a better set really you know mm-hmm. it looks so like and i i mean like we only got to see like how long were those games cuz they're multiplayer games i assume they were pretty long yeah, they were decently long. I want to say they were probably about maybe an hour or so. I mean, because we were taking like camera breaks and stuff. And course, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the the thing was, was, you know, trying to position yourself to where you weren't the immediate threat on the table, because obviously in multiplayer games, you know, if you're the immediate threat, everyone's going to gang up on you. But right. uh, I, yeah, I felt like there was a lot of back and forth where, you know, OK, one person was clearly in the lead, then someone else was clearly in the lead, then someone else was. So it was uh, it, it was it was a fun time. I mean, I. I I did not notice the time passing at all, which is probably the best testament you can give. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Did you did you guys get to play more than the, those games or just those ones? Uh, that was the only conspiracy game we got to play. We wanted to play more, but they wouldn't give us any cards. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was funny too because we had to give them back our uh, our decks after we were done. Oh and, really? Oh, they didn't even let you keep them. No, no, no. They, they 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 kept them in the deck boxes, and they're going to send us to them once once conspiracy releases. But I guess that's, yeah. that's fair. That's fair. You know, they got to take yeah. precautions, you know? Yeah. They just didn't want any of the cards leaking out in the wild. So it was, yeah. uh, yeah, I, I thought that was pretty funny, but no, we, we actually played, um, we played a bunch of commander and then, uh, we drafted, um, some Theros and, uh, born of the gods, um, cause they gave us some, some booster packs. So that was fun. Nice. Yeah. So who is your commander of choice, Chris? My commander of choice is Mariki Reed Barrett. Cause she oh. gives hugs. <laughs> All right. Nice. <laughs> really? Really? Yeah, nice. For, for those who aren't familiar with uh, Mariki Rebarrett, she is one blue, one white, one black. Uh, she's from Ice Age, and her ability is tap to take control of target creature. If she ever becomes untapped, uh, you kill the creature, and then she doesn't untap as normal. So essentially, the deck is based around a lot of untapped mechanics, and um, yeah, you, you play with other people's stuff, and it's amazing. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, at its, at its, at its worst, it's a mind control, and at its best, it's a slave of Bolas, you know? You just yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, kill them with it and then kill it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and with the amount of untap effects you can put into a commander deck, you, you're perfectly capable of board clearing, you know, whatever is out there just by taking control, untapping, taking control, untapping. So it's, uh, it's a fun deck. Um, it, it's not hyper overpowered, like, you know, some of the, like, turn three Maelstrom Wander or something like that. But it's it's good enough to where you know I enjoy playing against those competitive decks, especially if it's multiplayer, because then other people you know are there helping out as well. So do you get to play very much? I know, like I've been following you on Twitter for about, I'd say like maybe two years, and actually mm-hmm. up until just recently, like maybe six months to a year ago, I had no idea who you were. I thought you were just a guy that was sweet on Twitter. I like didn't. Oh, know that, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know that you were like a like some of a lot of a celebrity. But like back in the day of Twitter, people kind of do it now. But people used to do like Follow Friday like religiously, and then um, I started kind of doing a Follow Friday where I would put a reason to follow this person, not just tweeting like a list of people. Mm-hmm. And then so one of my friends did the same thing with your Twitter account, and I was like, okay, so I'll follow this guy. And then you, I've, I've noticed that you don't get to talk about magic a whole lot, it seems. You talk about a lot of really cool, uh, quote-unquote, nerdy stuff that I'm mm. really interested in and a lot of, like, real-life things. And, you, like, you, you're a great Twitter account to follow because it's not, uh, like, I, I want to say it's not, like, a sponsored account um, where, like, a lot of people who are in the, you know, the public eye, they just kind of have, like, their publicist be, do their tweets, which is boring. Mm. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> so it's it's nice that you're actually interacting with the person because that can actually say like you know I think these guys suck and I hope they lose this weekend and then you're like no they're the best you know what I mean. Like that. <laughs> yep. But but um but yeah so then when I saw you in the video I was like hey I know that guy I've heard of that guy so <laughs> so you, do you, how much magic do you actually get to play because I don't get to see you tweet a whole lot about it yeah. Yeah, I actually play a fairly decent amount. Um, I have a, like a local gaming group that will play. We play all sorts of games. Like um, Com- Commander is one of our staples. We've actually gotten really into the uh, Game of Thrones card game, which is a lot of fun. And uh, mainly because everyone hates each other when they play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 oh, it's it's fantastic. But um, uh, we play like a bunch of board games and stuff too. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I'd say probably I play Commander at least you know two three times a week. And, wow. uh, yeah. And then, and then I have uh, MTGO also, but I haven't logged onto that quite as much because usually when I'm playing video games, it's, um, it's some other video game, not, not magic online, but I've, I've played MTGO quite a bit too. Okay, cool. So you, so you, you do still play quite a bit of magic. So you're still kind of at the forefront and you, you know, you're up on the new cards and stuff like that too. Cause you have to be right. I'm assuming. Yeah, but mainly more how they relate to my commander deck. It's um you that that for me, I I started playing Magic when I was I want to say like probably 10 or 11, um right when uh not beta but revised, I think. It was right after beta. Unlimited yeah. right after Unlimited, beta. Yeah, Unlimited, that's it. yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And so uh that's when I started playing um and then I stopped uh I think right around Mirage and um picked it back up uh I think three years ago, four years ago, when the play group I had in Minnesota uh, introduced me to Commander. That was when the uh, they just came out with the first pre-constructed decks. Sweet. And so I was looking at the pre-constructed decks, and I was like, wow, this is really, really cool, because I can bring in all these old cards that I have that are really fun cards, and I can use them. And we can do these crazy combos, and it's not super overpowered, because everyone has access to these crazy combos. <laughs> and it was, uh, that really kind of rekindled my, my love of magic, because up to, like, when I, when I stopped playing in Mirage, it was kind of due to the fact that in order to, to play 
modern or, or, or standard, you, you know, you, you have to buy new cards. Like you constantly have to be up to date with the current set. And I was just like, I don't really want to buy more cards. I want to use the cards that I have. And so commander allows me to do that, which I really, really like. So do you find yourself like always looking to optimize and tweak your deck for commander? Or are you like one of those, are you like a 75 percenter? Are you a crazy spike? Like what does your commander group look like? Um, it's, it's varied. We have, um, we have a couple people who play fairly casually and I, I also have a, a more, um, I guess casual commander deck, which is, uh, the pre-constructed Marath deck with uh, a couple additions, but it's definitely not as nuts as it could be. I mean, like there's no doubling season in there. There's, there's no things that'll give Marath infinite counters. It's, uh, it, it's, it's more just, okay, if someone is new to the game or if they have a less powerful deck then I can use this as opposed to Mariki, which is just going to melt their face, and that's not going to be very fun. So with Mariki, um, she's pretty much constructed the way I want her. I have I have a couple different win conditions in her, and again, she's not like super overpowered, but she's pretty powerful, especially if you don't know what she does. And I find like the first time I play people, they're like, oh, that's your commander? Huh, that's kind of strange. Okay, whatever. And then we play the game, and I take their stuff and I beat them with it. And then the next game, they're like, "Kill him first. <laughs> like, fair enough. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's for me with new sets. I you know I'm looking in that blue, white, black block, the the Esper block, and and just looking for something that kind of fits thematically with my deck, which is untap effects, card control, and then I have a, a bunch of milling effects in there too. Like when one of my other win conditions is um, Jace's Archivist with you know untap effects and just ditching your hand a couple times along with a psychosis crawler. So nice. it's like, Hey, the, the, the board just took 45 damage. Have fun. <laughs> so it's uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say Mariki's pretty much done at this point. Sweet. Yeah. We, um, so the Marath deck is interesting because it's one that, uh, like I bought the second round of commander decks too. And it was only very, mm-hmm. probably like the last time we played commander, I decided, you know, instead of playing some of my, you know, more spiky stuff, I think, well, let's just have some fun. And I cracked open the Marath deck and, uh, and I just like sleeved it and played it blind. Didn't even look at what was in the deck. Mm-hmm. And it was a blast. Just yeah, a the, blast the Marath, to play. Yeah. The Marath deck's a lot of fun. It's, a, although I will say my, my favorite card that they introduced with the, um, the new commander pre-constructed ones is that, uh, the, the white enchantment, it's one white, one colorless, um, what is it? It's uh, it turns him into a zero one indestructible artifact insect. Oh yeah, it's like uh, yeah, <laughs> dark it's, dark it's steel like, pest or something. Yeah, yeah, it like yeah, yeah, it, something it, like that. That's exactly what it does. But yeah, it's like it's like pacifism. It makes him an O one indestructible creature. Right. That yeah, has, like, just, can't attack or block or something or can't yeah. attack or something. No, no, it's 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 just a zero one indestructible. So I mean, you got a chump blocker for eternity, but yeah, you throw that on someone's commander, and all of a sudden it's just like, yeah. <laughs> it's a, yeah, and and, and they lose all of their abilities. So like, we just had a game. Um, it was uh, Tuesday uh, a couple days ago, where um one of my friends was running uh, Xenagos as his commander, and it was just oh, this like brutal- the god. Yeah, the gods yeah. and it goes. So yeah. just this brutal red green deck of like, okay, I'm dropping these creatures. They're getting hasted, double, you know, double their power and toughness, and yeah, just not not very cool. And so I waited for him, you know, to to get Xenagos active, and then I, I did Dark Steel mutation. That's what it is, Dark Steel mutation on um, on Xenagos. And I was like, and he's not changing back because it blanks his text. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was oh, it was so much fun. I love that card. <laughs> It's very powerful. I I just recently added it to my cube. 
Uh, and my cube is not, it's not powered, but it is like the most best, biggest, you know, powered card that you can have type of thing. So, um, mm. so, I mean, it, it does speak to the power level of a card like that, uh, you know, in, in, in some decks where you, you know, you definitely need an effect like that. So I, I really like that card too. Um, I, I didn't get any of the commander precons this time around because I kind of have gotten out of commander, but it sounds like commander is mm. like your main, your, like it's your, it's your go-to format. It's your favorite. Yeah, yeah, I, I I really like it because there's just so much variation within commander decks that like you you never really know what you're going to see and it, and it's fun to see what people come up with. Um, there is one one of the guys I play with. He he essentially created a uh, it's a red blue black deck that has I want to say like 22 planeswalkers inside it. Oh, and, nice. Yeah, and and his command is a Necrosar, I think the guy where you draw an additional card but you take damage for each card you draw. So his, one of his win conditions is he forces you to draw a whole bunch of cards and you kill yourself. But the other thing is with the um, with having all the planeswalkers in it, they're effectively bodyguards because you have to attack the planeswalkers, otherwise they're gonna you know hit their their big minus and now you're really in trouble. <laughs> so so I mean he he's created he's effectively extended his life pool by you know anywhere from thirty to eighty hit points just by having these cards and they're all really useful. I thought, wow, that's that's pretty cool. You wouldn't normally see something like that, but it works. Yeah. It's it's funny because I, I did play a uh I had a Child of Alara deck, a five color planeswalker deck mm-hmm. at some point, which basically played like all of the planeswalkers that were, you know, not actually just uh, just terrible. I don't think Sark and the Mad made the cut, but a lot of the others were fine. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and yeah, it was just like played doubling season and some, you know, nice like with with five colors, you got access to everything. So you know, doubling season makes some ridiculous ultimates. You just have like board wipe after board wipe after board wipe for creatures, and yeah, it can get very very oppressive very quickly. Like mm-hmm. there, are a lot of these planeswalkers ultimates are just designed to just win the game on the spot. It's like yeah, I'll just ultimate my Elspeth Knight errant. Yeah, now? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> have fun. <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. Right on. Right on. So um. So I guess kind of like what else uh, don't the people like should the people know about Chris Cluey that we you know we maybe don't get a whole lot of uh, insight to on your Twitter or in those you know videos that you're making for certain video games sometimes and stuff. What's um, like what's what's Chris Cluey's like life look like right now? What's he up to? Um, pretty much just work out in the morning and then take care of my kids, play video games, uh, write occasionally, and uh, yeah, kind of not play football. <laughs> so, yeah, it's 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 pretty pretty good right now. I can't complain. <laughs> you have a uh, you have a book out, correct? I do. It's called Beautifully Unique Sparkle Ponies on myths, morons, free speech, football, and assorted absurdities. Right, so, right. Uh, <laughs> so where can where can our listeners find that? Uh, you can grab it at Barnes and Noble. You can grab it at uh, Amazon.com online. I think there's an audiobook version online as well at uh, Audible. I want to say. Uh, Amazon probably also sells it. And then um, your local bookstore might have it too. Uh, and I know that we, we had a bunch of independent booksellers pick it up. So it's uh, it's a collection of short stories and essays that um, hopefully are entertaining, hopefully make you think. And uh, really, I'm you know trying to get you as close as possible to what it's like inside my mind. So buyer beware. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I've heard a lot of great things about it. Like I, I've, uh, I'm, you know, I, I don't, I haven't looked into the book itself. So up until just now, I didn't know that that's what it was. But mm-hmm. I did know that uh, I, I like I knew that you wrote it, and I and I I could kind of assume what it was about. But I've I've 
heard like any, anybody I know that's read it has said good things about it, um, yeah. which which is a testament to you know like the, the, from a lot of various different backgrounds, and everybody seems to love it. So it's got to be you know it's got to be good. Well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, every, everyone who's giving me feedback has has really liked it, and you know people haven't agreed with everything that I have in there, but I'm I'm like that's great. You know, if we all agreed on everything, then life would be really boring. So absolutely, it's, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and, and for me, a lot of it, too, is, is the stuff I have in there is that, you know, these these are things that I think are, are important that, that we should probably be talking about because they're they're issues that as a society we need to confront and address. Otherwise, you know, we, we know how it's going to end up. I mean, I'm, I'm a history major and a political science major, so I've, I've gotten to read a lot of history and political science. And. Civilization has a 100% failure rate. I mean, <laughs> there, there has never been a civilization that has withstood the test of time. So if we don't want to end up like everyone else, well, we should probably do things differently. We, we might want to try to treat each other with empathy and, you know, treat each other with equality as opposed to fostering conflict with ourselves because we know what the end game is for that. It's not good. Yeah, There's absolutely. no more magic. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the thing. And I, I, think, I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that because it's something that um... – you know, has been kind of at the forefront of uh, of a lot of stuff right now is like same sex marriage and homosexuality. And I don't want to get, I don't want to touch too much on it because I know that, like, you know, I, I, maybe I mean I'm just kind of springing this just for the listeners. I'm just springing this on mm-hmm. Chris. We didn't prepare for this, but um, you know, I mean, like, like we just had a draft where, uh, and for the life of me, I can't remember this guy's name. Um, but he was drafted, and then he kissed his boyfriend to celebrate that he was oh, drafted yeah, yeah. to the NFL. Yeah, what Michael Sam. Yeah, Michael Sam, and then like that was like a big deal for a bunch of people, and it's like you know, like I I don't believe in imposing my values on other people, so it's really difficult for me to like have a, a like a heated or a discussion with someone and try to convince them that same sex marriage is correct for the same reasons that I don't want them to impose that on me and stuff, right? But at the same time, like things like that, I feel like there are so many things that are wrong with our civilization right now, other than what you do in your home and how you live your life that I think that we could be focusing on. Uh, and, and so like stuff like that, it's, it's good to see, you know, people in the community that are doing the right thing and can use their, their voice. Like you, you for all intents and purposes, you have a, a bigger voice than I do. Right. Not to say that, you know, I shouldn't be voicing my opinions or anything, but just that it's great to see somebody like you, that has such a high reputation for, uh, you know, not being afraid to voice that, not being afraid to stand up, especially in, you know, football, uh, you know, which is traditionally the good old boys club. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm, I'm assuming that's a very unpopular opinion, uh, at least on the surface of the NFL, you know? Um, it's it's actually the, the players, you'd be surprised because players are, are part of the younger generation. You know, it's, it's guys fresh out of college is the vast majority of guys in the NFL. So they look at it like, I have a gay teammate, I have a gay friend, I have a gay family member, why is this a big deal? And so they, you know, a lot of players are just like, whatever, why can't we all just live our lives? And really where you see kind of the, the backlashes from the, the coaching staffs and the, the front office people, because they tend to be older white men, you know, no offense to any older white men who might be listening, but it's, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they, they very much grew up in a certain societal mindset. And, and the part of that mindset was homosexuality was bad. It was a sin. And, and the thing is, is, is usually what I talk about and what I try to make people aware of is the fact that, you know, you don't, you don't have to go out and marry someone who's gay. That's not what I'm saying. 
All you have to do is respect the fact that other people want to live their lives and exercise their own free will. And in order for that to happen, we all have to have that ability. Because if you, if you want to live your life free, you know, if you want to be able to exercise your own free will, everyone else has to have that same ability or else you're setting the precedent that somewhere down the line, someone can oppress you. Someone can take away your rights. And so at its core, equality is very much a self-serving idea. It's, it's, if you want equality for yourself, well, you better make sure everyone else has it because if you don't, then someone might oppress you one day and then who's going to speak out for you? Well, that's the funny thing about equality, right? Is that the definition of the word is equal for everybody. And it's funny to hear these people say stuff like that where they're like, you know, I, we want equality in these for these things, but not these things. We want equality mm-hmm. for these people, but not these people. And it's like, well, that's not equality then. You know right, I mean? like, right, exactly. It's, it's either... <laughs> It's either everyone has it or no one has it. And and yeah. I mean it 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 really is where if if you're if you're not for equality for everyone, well you're not part of a stable society. You're not part of a society that's going to last because what you're doing is you you're fostering conflict either within your own society by oppressing members who eventually are going to want their own rights or you're fostering it from without by trying to take something from someone else because you don't view them as human. You, you view them as less than human. And again, we've seen throughout history that this ends in one place and only one place, civilizations collapsing and people trying to build new ones from the rubble. I mean, there, there are no exceptions to that rule. Yeah, and that's a pretty powerful statement when you think about that. And a lot of people, you know, I mean, when you think about it, a lot of people think like, well, you know, I'm not saying that they can't live their life and I'm not saying that they can't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or that's of of the same sex, or I'm not saying anything. I'm just, I'm just saying, I don't think they should be able to get married, but it's like, you know, when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, all these little things can add up to a really, really over time in a civilization can add up to like a pressure cooker type scenario. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, uh, Exactly. And I think that's when you get those, those devastating uh, kind of collapses. And I, I mean, you know what? I, I, to, I'm not a political science major or history major. So like, I don't know if, you know, like equal rights for like all creeds of people in terms of modern society now will ever lead to us collapsing. I don't know if we're too far, if we're too big or, or not, but I'd like to think that, you know, based on the past, we should be better than that. You know what I mean? We've yeah, yeah. Seen, we've seen this before. This has happened with race. This has happened with, you know, classes, uh, separation with, you know, between like with, with, um, like earnings and stuff like that. This has happened mm-hmm. like time and time again before. Like, I don't, I don't, I think we should be better than, that. you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, and, and, and that's the whole point of history is that the reason we have history is to study what we've done before and then say, okay, is that good? Do we want to do it again? Or was that bad? Do we want to avoid that in the future? And when it comes to oppression, We've said time and time again, this is bad, we want to avoid it, yet we keep doing it. So we need to figure out how to stop doing it. Yeah. And I think I think a good place to start is, is you know, like I said, if you think that something's wrong, you should definitely have the conversation. You should definitely be a voice. You know, you don't have to go on a crusade. You don't have to, um, you know, summon the white knights to trumpet down the road. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be, we're not, I, I'm personally, I'm not saying that. But I think that you definitely need to, not be just like the quiet majority. You know what I mean? I feel like we are in a society of the quiet majority right now. Yeah. You know, well, I feel like the majority of people don't care about same sex marriage. I mean, they care, but they don't care like either way. It's like, I don't care if you get married. That's fine. I mean, I'm married. I don't, I mean, I, w- I would, I'll tell you right now the things that are, that I don't like about 
um, non-same-sex marriage. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people are just, they, they just want to let, I, I just want to live my life and I want you to live your life. And right. I, you know what I mean? Exactly. And, and, and the thing is, is that as, you know, if, if someone is a part of that silent majority, then, then they have to recognize that sometimes, you know, it is your responsibility to speak up. And, and like you said, it doesn't have to be, you know, you're getting in front of TV cameras or, or you're, you know, making a march on the White House or you're doing anything out of character. It can be easy enough as just saying to a friend or a family member, hey, have you thought about it from this perspective? You know, have, have you thought about what this is actually doing to other people? Because a lot of times people who hold, you know, oppressive views assume that everyone around them believe the same thing they do because no one says anything. And then once someone says something, they're like, oh, wait a minute, maybe what I'm saying isn't right. Maybe I need to reexamine what it is that I believe in. And yeah, you'll get the the crazy nut jobs out there who, you know, come hell or high water, they're going to believe what they're going to believe no matter what. But the more people we can get to say, look, if I want to be free to live my life. Other people have to be free to live their lives. Then the more powerful it is when, when they say that statement to those people. And, and we, and then there's enough of those people who are fighting for equality where they can, you know, they can make a difference. They can show the minority that they are the minority, you know, in terms of oppressive speech. Absolutely. Yeah, no, which I think is great. And, and I kind of, to segue that into kind of our community, you know, I mean, we're, we're a community that I guess traditionally, you know, we're, we're nerds, we're geeks, we're, you could say like, I mean, not even too many years ago, like that was a super negative term to put on. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you're in your parents' basement playing magic gathering with your D and D friends. It's like, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And like, and I mean, you know, and, and the thing is like, I think especially right now, magic is going through like a really huge, a huge popularity spurt you know and and obviously like with a super huge thanks to give to guys like you and david williams and marshall for doing videos like conspiracy and getting you know like i can't imagine me being me being like a like a veteran of this game and seeing that and just being so jacked for that game like just so fucking so this is so fucking awesome i can't imagine what a new player watches is like Mm -hmm. like they they got to be 10 times higher than i am you know what i mean yeah Um, yeah and, and that's that's the thing I want to show people is is the fact that look, all of us have hobbies. Like we all like to do things. For some people, it's hunting or fishing or you know fixing your car or out on your boat. For other people, it's Magic the Gathering or video games or reading books or you know whatever. It doesn't matter what your hobby is. We all nerd out about something. Let us all nerd out about something in peace. <laughs> yeah, like if you if and, and and that's funny because you hear that like I've I've heard that now where it's like I've heard people say. Oh, you know, Steve's just hanging out with his nerd buddies on the weekend. And then I, as a nerd, because I'm an electrician by trade, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, 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 it's very difficult for me to interact with a lot of the people in my trade because, you know, the trades are still a very, oh, yeah. very, it's very old fashioned. Yeah, like there, like there's a lot of things that get said in the trades that, like, I can't repeat. And there's a lot of things <laughs> that I, I get really uncomfortable with. And there's a lot, you know, then there's, there's people that I won't tell things. Not that I'm ashamed, but it's just like, it's not, that's not. I I still have to make a living so I can support my family, and right, I don't want exactly. my, the molehill I'm I'm choosing to stand and make a mountain is not going to be, you know, at my job. But you know, but it's like you'll hear that, like, oh, Steve's just hanging out with his nerds on the weekend, and I'm like, oh, well, what, like, doing what, like, what's he doing? And I'm just trying to figure out if I should be really great friends with Steve because maybe he plays magic, right? <laughs> and uh, and they're like, yeah, it's just him and a bunch of his goddamn car nerds just farting around on his. Scion talking about fucking I don't know spoilers and displacement, and I'm like, car nerd, what are 
they're corners. I thought <laughs> Where did corners, that become a thing? <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought corners were like the super jocks, and I was the super nerd. Corners yep. were proud to be corners. So proud of the fact that they wouldn't call themselves nerds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's funny because it's kind of it's kind of making like a change. But I think I think magic really needs it. I think that something that's super great in magic right now is um, just it's it's on the super high pitch. It's going up and up and up and up and up. And everybody like there's there's you know race doesn't matter, language doesn't matter, age doesn't matter, gender doesn't matter. Like all of this stuff is so. We're, we're still working on gender. We're still working I mean, on gender. It I mean, shouldn't matter, but we're be, still working on it. To be fair, I mean, to be fair, some like I mean, yeah, like I mean, I I'm not, I don't know. I don't really know how to articulate this, but I'm not. I, I'm. I don't really live. In, I don't live in this world where I think that everybody eventually will just never see race or creed or color or background or gender. Like I think. I think like when somebody says to me, you know, I just want. I'm a woman and I just want to go to a tournament without having guys hit on me, and I can. I can absolutely empathize that like immediately. Uh, and I. I think like yeah, guys should just be able to not do that. But then I think in my head like, well, how do you? How did I meet my wife? How do you how do you get a date then? Like, is it just like, well, you know, look, we're both at a magic tournament. We both like magic, and we are both uh, interested. And 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 you're being nice, and I'm being nice. And then maybe I just ask if after the tournament you want to get, get grab a thing of coffee. And then somebody overhears that and tweets that I'm just like a like a sweaty neck beard fedora wearing Cheeto eater, and I'm hating on girls, and they can't can't they just get can't they just leave the girls alone? And it's like, well, what if like do you know what I mean? Like, I think. I think that I, I think that we need to have a balance. I don't think that it needs to be a like women can never be talked to at tournaments because you know because they don't want no, that I, either. They want interaction. They want to they want to be able to talk to you. But I think it's it's like in the trades, like you know they they just want to be treated as an equal human. You know? Yeah, it's I don't want to shut off Twitch chat when like Melissa Del Toro is in the top eight. Yeah, exactly. You yeah, know, like, that, that's where I want to be at. Like, yeah, people can have their own opinion. People can be. They can have dirt opinions for all it's worth. Yeah, absolutely. Just, I don't want them to feel like they can just spread it out there and be proud of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, the the thing that I think is is like a um, like I said to, with Chris earlier, I think you know it's it's or like Chris said earlier, it's it's our responsibility to, I guess, voice that opinion and make it known that that's not okay. And and like something that was really telling for me, uh, like. I think we started the podcast, Chris, about three years ago. We're, we're like we're on episode one eighty, and we do one basically every week. So whatever the math is mm-hmm. on that. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm a younger guy, and I'm a I'm a guy of the generation. <laughs> and I used to say the word "gay" in a negative light all the time, right? Like, and a mm-hmm. lot of guys are like that. That's gay. This is gay. This sucks. This is gay. Whatever. And, yeah, no, uh, I, I grew up the same way. I mean, I grew up in the the late eighties, early nineties. That was exactly. that was. It was part of society. <laughs> yeah, and and that's the thing is it, it's 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 funny because like when you talk to a lot of people like us that grew up in the eighties and nineties, it wasn't like for me I didn't even know like until you think of something you don't really think about it. It just becomes mm-hmm. something that your that your brain just accepts as a fact. So I never thought you know oh this movie sucks. It's gay because I hate gays because gays are bad. That's not like like my brain didn't make that that connection when I had to when I wanted to say that. I just said this is gay because it was like a word of my of my group of my culture of my upbringing. Right. So somebody, one of our listeners, uh, an anonymous listener who we've never met, and like no nobody knows, right? So it wasn't like my friend had to talk me off the ledge or anything. It was just some anonymous guy just said, "Hey man, like I really love your show, but." I just, this is something, this is 
this is something that I can't accept, and this is something that I really need you to not do. And I just said, like, well, fuck that. Like, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not saying it offensively to gays. I'm just saying a word. Like, it, like you give the word power. And I tried to, you know, have this big debate. And at the end of it, uh, he said, you know, I think what matters, though, is how, how the people who are offended by that perceive that. It, mm-hmm. it, you know, and they might know that you don't mean it in X, Y, Z way. But so, what if I have my kid listen to it and my kid's 12 years old and he goes to school and kids are doing that at school and then he comes home and he listens to your podcast and he listens to other media and they're doing that as well. And he starts to think that that's acceptable and now we have a problem. And I, mm-hmm. I said to myself, like, that's fucking terrible. I've dealt with stuff like this the exact same way uh, in my, like, upbringing. This is fucking horse shit and I never want to say that word ever again. And I've tried really hard since then to not say that word and i think that's the point is just you know when we're in this this magic community and any like nerd community even going bigger america with the whole same sex marriage thing like everything like that we really have to take a look at is is this worth this person's pain and suffering is me having the right to say that a movie is gay is that worth it to me Mm -hmm. To make this pe- person feel so uncomfortable and so upset about what I'm saying, I could just say it's bad. I could just say I don't like it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And, and and that's that's one of the things I I tell people all the time is like, look, I have nothing against you swearing or using a bad word or whatever, but just use something else. There's so many other good bad words out there. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way to put it. There's so many good bad words. <laughs> Like, just, just pick just, a new one. Right, just grab another one. I mean, there's so many of them. It's, uh, you know, you don't you don't have to denigrate an entire group of people. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But I, I think it's important that people be allowed to say that stuff. I just think that it's important that people don't want to say that stuff. And I think that's like, you know, it's... Well, you always see on, like, internet forums, or I, I don't know if it ever happened, or if, you know, some places did it, but, like, a thing where it's, like, you're forced to hear your comment read back to you before it actually gets posted, or something like that, where you're you're forcing people to kind of, like, really deal with what's uh, coming at them. Uh, actually, even from uh, your TED Talk uh, that uh, I was just watching before this, uh, you had, like, you know, your, your AR thing, uh, where it was uh, showing teachers, like, ways to deal with bullies, where you kind of put the bully... Uh, in the position where they're receiving their thrashing and seeing how they would like it. And, like, that that's kind of where you got to get to is that, yeah, like, sure, people can say what they want and do all this kind of stuff, and they should be, you know, have the freedom to express themselves, but they should not want to express themselves that way, and they should have other people there to make them own what they're expressing. Right, right. You, know, like, you you have the bully. I, I'm I'm in the same boat as Jay, where I'm in the trades, and like we had one guy. He goes around and he makes like what he thinks are Asian words, and he just like does it to people because he thinks it's funny. And he's like, "Oh yeah, I was joking with these guys." And just the other day, I looked at him like, "No, you're being a racist, and yeah, like, it's not funny." Yeah. Everyone kind of giggles because it's very awkward. Yeah, right. it's, the, it's the awkward laugh. And, you know, he kind of said, you know, he told me to fuck myself and walked off. But, you know, that's what you're going to have to deal with from time to time. Yeah. And, 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 and my main thing is that, like, I don't want anyone to ever feel like they can't say something. It's more I am absolutely for your freedom to act like an asshole. But you get to reap the consequences of what comes yeah. from acting like an asshole. <laughs> like, freedom of if speech you... is, is not freedom from consequences. Yeah, if you say something completely fucking stupid, 
then people get to tell you that you're fucking <laughs> moron. Yeah. Like, like, and this is like you the say bigoted, I'm going to call you a bigot. <laughs> like, if you say something and someone says they're offended and your immediate defense is freedom of speech, pro tip, you're in the wrong. Yeah, you're, just wrong. you're just wrong. Yeah, just, those yeah. words come to utter out of your mouth. Like that's where you need to stop and just take a second and realize. <laughs> chances are, I have nothing to stand on. Yeah, there, there, there needs to be a version of Godwin's law for that, where, <laughs> where it's like, you know, people are like, oh, you, you know, Godwin's law, where you bring in a Hitler reference and that means the argument's over. There, there should be one where it's, uh, you know, if you say freedom of speech, it's like, okay, that's it. The argument's okay. over. Yeah, that's just no more. No more. That's, you, that's you, tapping out. Yeah, yeah. You've you shown you can't be reasoned with. Yeah, <laughs> so. exactly. So, Chris, what's your, what's your favorite? Uh, you, you mentioned that you play video games quite a bit. So what's your favorite video game right now? Um, right now, I just picked up Transistor um, for, uh, for PC, which is really cool because I really like Bastion. And uh, Transistor's really, really good. It's it's very much a spiritual successor to Bastion. It's uh, it was a little short though. I I beat it. I think probably in about seven or eight hours. But um, I mean, it, it is an indie game. It's only like twenty bucks. So and it's like uh, a is it like a RPG? Is it a? It's it's kind of a mix between like an action RPG and a turn based strategy game. The, the combat's really cool in that like you you kind of run around and you can attack in real time. But then you can also pause it and uh, set up like this complete attack sequence that you want to do where you can chain together a bunch of moves. And then the downside to that is that once you pause it, you know, there's this gauge that that goes down when you're using all these moves. And then you can't attack until that gauge fills back up. So you're, you're kind of balancing, Okay, do I want to be able to attack and, you know, do stuff in real time? Or do I really need to get this big combo off, you know, immediately right now? So, uh. Transistor is really cool. I'd recommend checking it out. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Path of Exile. I, I really like Path of Exile. It's um, it's it's a free to play action RPG for uh for PC. It's kind of like it, Diablo, right? Yeah, it's it's basically it's what Diablo three should have been. Is right. right. <laughs> Scott, See, it, Scott loves that. So like, have you so have you been playing the expansion, or did yeah. you just like give up? No, I, I picked up the expansion, like, because I, I stopped playing Diablo 3 after probably about a week or so, because I was just like, I'm not getting any loot, my character sucks, this is yeah. boring, I don't want to yeah. farm the auction house. And then, um, so I picked up the expansion, which kind of drew me back in for a bit, because I was like, this is cool, I'm actually getting upgrades to my character. I So I, I, I leveled a Templar up to, like, um, I think Paragon level, like, 45 or 50 or something like that. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I, I had fun playing it, but I keep finding myself going back to Path of Exile just because there, there's so many different ways you can build your character and there's so many different things you can do. And it's, it's, it's just a really, really well done game. Huh. And then it's, it's, it's also free. I mean, <laughs> like the, 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 the quality of game you get for a free to play game in Path of Exile is astounding. Like it, it is the, I think the best free to play game I've ever played. And, and I, I've thrown a bunch of money their way because I, I think I've probably put probably maybe 120, 150 hours into the game so far. So, wow. yeah, I'm, I'm like this. You, you guys have earned my money. Like, I have no no problem giving you some. And, and the cool thing is, is that their, uh, you know, their, their microtransaction model is solely based on aesthetic effects. So if you want, like, cool looking wings or you want a weapon, you know, visual upgrade or something like there's there's no way to pay to win. It's just if you want to make your character look cooler, you can buy cool looking effects. Huh. Sounds like winning to me. Yeah, well, I mean, it kind of is, because you look amazingly badass, but, you know, it doesn't help <laughs> you kill monsters any better. <laughs> That's what, um, I, I'm really big, speaking of free-to-play, like, I'm really big in, um, into D, uh, Dota 2 right now. Okay. Uh, I've been playing Dota for, like, 
like probably 10 years. Uh, I know that you play LOL because you're filthy, but yes. um, <laughs> filthy you're casual. filthy casual. But, uh, but um, it's the same thing in Dota. Like Dota is, so I can't believe uh, the how how good games are coming out right now that are like that are free and it's it's funny because you look at games like Call of Duty, it's the biggest media moneymaker that there's ever been. It makes more money than movies, it makes more money than TV, uh, it makes more money than any video game that's ever been created before it. Every and it's every time it comes out every year and people are just slathering like they're slavering over themselves to just pay eighty dollars for updated maps and guns. You know what I mean? And then all year, they're still giving more money to these companies for new map packs. Mm-hmm. And it's like a super successful business model because people can't stop buying it. But then on the other end, you have games like LoL and Dota and Path of Exile, uh, which are just like free games that are just put out there for anybody to, to, to buy or play. And, there's, and they're just they're, they're good. There's, there's very rare glitches. The graphics look great. The gameplay is amazing. They have entire... You know, sections of companies dedicated to developing and making them better. Yeah, like it's just it's crazy how good these free to play games are, are are getting. And and in Dota, it's the same kind of thing. There's a microtransaction. There's a marketplace, and you can also buy stuff directly from Steam. And it just makes your guy look badass. It just makes your your sword bigger, or your you know maybe gives your 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 hair is on fire instead, mm-hmm. or you know what I mean, things like that. But it doesn't help you kill monsters. It doesn't help you kill the other heroes any better. But it makes you look fucking badass. Right. You know? Exactly. And- and, and, and that's actually what I really like about free-to-play games when they're done right, is that the, the developers are trusting that they're putting out a quality product and that the consumer will reward them for it because it is a good product. It's, it's not, you know, you need to buy your way to victory. It's more, here's what we have. We think you guys will like it. If you do like it, here's how you can give something back to us. Which, yeah. which is awesome because it, you know, it's great. Players get great games. Developers get to make more great games if, you know, if they're making great games. And like that, that's the way it should work. Absolutely. And I think one thing that's really cool too is a lot of them with the cosmetic items, a lot of them are starting to allow outside developers, uh, as low as even just regular Jobins to just send ideas in and they're actually using them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they'll say something to you like, oh, we have this guy and he, you know, he rides a horse around and he's got a big sword and he, this is what his character does. And then, you know, if you want to make him look cool, send us your ideas. And if we pick your idea, we'll put it in the game and we'll give you, you know, something cool for that. Not, not if, even if like, you know, that's already cool enough, but you know, they'll, you know, every time something gets paid, they'll give you a cent or something, you know, and that's the super cool. Like how cool is it that I, you know, maybe am a, am a, I love video games. I love these free-to-play things. I want to support the industry. I want to support indie games. And maybe I'm also like an indie developer. Maybe I'm just dabbling with, you know, like Photoshop. Maybe I'm trying to dabble into graphic design. And now I can design something for a game that I already love, and they'll put it in the game? Like, how mm-hmm. cool is that? Yeah, yeah. You know? No, it's it. I mean, it's it's amazing to think how far video games have come since, like, I first started playing the original Nintendo Entertainment System, you know, in, like, what, 86 or 87 or whatever it was. Yeah. And, I mean, from Super Mario Brothers to where we're at now, it's, like, it is oh unbelievable. It's crazy. Like, it's crazy. And, and that that's not even a, a lifetime yet. I mean, imagine... Imagine what we're going to have in like 50 or 60 years, you know, with, with <laughs> the way processing power is going and computing is yeah, going and graphics starts. Yeah, it'll be like, I can't wait. It's going yeah. to be so cool. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for them to figure out how to stave off aging so I can play the game for the future. <laughs> <laughs> but in the same way, you know, it's, I think it's, it's a really cool time to be, to be living. 
You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's, it's really it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, and and if we can just keep ourselves from blowing ourselves up, then we'll, we'll be around to to experience all those video games. That's, <laughs> yeah, cross, cross our fingers, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I guess what I'm really trying to say is the main reason I speak out on equality and empathy <laughs> is because I want to play a lot of video games when I get old. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, I'm down with that. I'm down with it. But so. That being said, oh, ah, something I definitely wanted to ask you about. Did you watch the Ender's Game movie? No, I didn't. Um, I, I was kind of morally opposed to uh, supporting Orson Scott Card since right. uh, he is a uh, you know donator or big supporter of uh, the National Organization for Marriage, which yes. I think is kind of a, a bullshit organization. But the, it's it's funny though because Ender's Game is like that's that's like one of the defining books of my childhood. Like I remember reading that book and being like, "This book is amazing! Like this is a yeah. great book." And and I I still recommend it to everyone I talk to. Like anyone who asks me for a book recommendation, like read Ender's yeah. Game. Now yeah. try and read it in a way that doesn't pay Orson Scott Card any money, because <laughs> it's you know go check it out from your library because I don't you know I don't think his views should be supported, but. The the fact remains is that it is an amazing book on empathy. It's an amazing book on, you know, seeing something from someone else's point of view. And and that's the part that baffles me is how do you write a book like that and then completely miss the point? <laughs> yeah, you met, you you wrote the book. Like yes. how does that happen? How does that happen? Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's I read it I read it for the first time about two years ago. Uh I'd never I'd 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 heard of it in passing because I, I believe uh it was a it was like a mandatory book in school for some people in some areas of, of North America. That sounds like an awesome school. Yeah. Like I, I, you know what I mean? Like I, like I, for one, like I personally, I loved like to kill a mockingbird. That was my jam in high school. I fucking love that book. I don't know why. Cause I, Hey, hate I hate doing anything that someone tells me to do. So you could hand me the, like my favorite book ever. And you could say, you have to read this. And I'll say, fuck you. I'm never reading this book again. Uh, I, I just, I hate, I hated all the, those books in school, um, so I'm sure I missed some good ones. But for some reason, To Kill a Mockingbird, I loved. And and I remember hearing of people, uh, and it might have even been like as as far back as like my dad's generation in high school, um, reading Ender's Game as like and having to do like a book report on it. And so I'd never heard of it before. And a friend uh, like you, I asked him for a, a book like recommendation, and he just snapped, handed me Ender's Game. He's like, "You have to read this. Read it." And it took me maybe. Like maybe I want to say like a week to read it. I I couldn't put this book down. Anytime that I had five seconds, like, you know, cooking dinner, you know, and you put the lid on the pot, grab it, read a page, and stir the pot. You know what I mean? Um, I yeah. love that book to death, and I didn't know anything about Orson Scott Card and his views and anything like that. And I so of course you know I didn't pay him any money. I borrowed it from a friend, and then when I found out, I was I had the same reaction as you. I thought it was so weird that this guy could write a book about. A, you know about a subject like this, and then be opposed to that subject that he wrote so well mm. about accepting it and 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 furthering it, and you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I just, I it, it it continuously baffles me to this very day that like he he completely missed the point of his own book. <laughs> like, I just, I don't, I don't know how you do that as an author. Like, yeah, it's, it's so weird. <laughs> See, yeah. I went, I saw that movie in the theater, and I was totally cool with that, and I heard the arguments about, you know, not wanting to support him with money, and I still buy copies of the book, because whenever I lend it out, it never comes back. Of course. Uh, <laughs> and I, I don't worry about that kind of stuff. Like, I get that the money is going to an organization that spreads pretty much hate. 
Um, you know, it's not referred to as hate right now, or maybe it should be, or whatever the case may be. And 20 years down the road, people are going to look back and go, like, I can't believe this existed. But again, the guy's allowed to spend the money the way he wants to spend his money. And if that's what he wants to do, then he's allowed to paint a big target on himself. I'm totally cool with that. It sucks that, you know, you have to fight with this kind of stuff. But like, sometimes you got to give people enough rope to hang themselves. And like, if my 10 bucks to go see the movie and try to enjoy it is what I'm doing to give him that rope to hang himself with. And that's, that's fine by me. Like that's, that's kind of my, my thought on it. Like I know that it makes life difficult for people, but I think the responsibility is on people to make life difficult for those people, you know, to, to push back. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know necessarily if like cutting off a body of work, because again, like we just speaking like the book is all about empathy like you you talk about missing the point and stuff like that like there's still something good there mm-hmm. yeah and well for for me the thing has always been is that like you know if if someone says something good then you can highlight that good part while also highlighting you know hey here's all the other things they do that is not good and, you know, then everyone has to make their own decision of, of what they're going to do. You know, I'm, I'm not going to tell anyone else, you know, you have to see this movie or, or you must stay away from this movie. I'm going to make my own decisions. And, you know, then I'll, I'll let everyone else make their own decisions because ultimately that's what I'm talking about is, you know, being able to live your own life, being able to have free will. And, and, you know, if, if I tell other people, no, you can't go see this movie. Well, then I'm a hypocrite because I'm not letting you live your life. I'll, I'll give you the facts. I'll tell you why I think it's a bad idea, but I'm not going to say, no, you can't go see it because at the end of the day, everyone has to make their own decisions. And that's, you know, that that's what a stable society is built on. It's just, it's tough when the good message, like what you're, what you're saying, the good message turns into, you know, the, the affirmation, like it turns into the circle jerk, right? You know, where it goes the one step further, where all of a sudden people aren't making their own decisions. They're just making the popular decision. Yeah, yeah, that's and, and and that's something I've seen a lot where people, you know, they'll they'll go along with something because a lot of other people are doing it. And I, I saw this in college a lot, actually, where is uh, I, I went to UCLA and there'd always be people protesting outside the um, federal building on uh, on Wilshire. And you go up and you ask them, hey, what are you protesting about? And they're like, oh, I don't know. There are people here protesting. So I joined in. It's like, well, then what's the fucking point? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that was a big reason why, like, Occupy Wall Street failed. Uh, for example, because like, I, I think like like some of the things that came to light during the Occupy Wall Street thing, and they were like, they were things that like almost made me want to go protest. But you go down there and you ask anybody, you ask ten, you ask ten protesters what they're protesting, and they'll say Wall Street, and you'll say why, and they'll give you ten different reasons, and not mm. not like ten good reasons. They'll just give you ten just random reasons, ranging from like a really good, really articulate, really thought out you know, process to this is what I think and it's important to me to be here. I'm not saying you have to be blah, 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 to like, to like, just, just fuck them. They, I want money. I'm poor and they're rich and they're hoarding money and fuck them. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, like, great. That's, yeah. that's great. I, I will see you later. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it does more harm than good because it, if you can't present a nuanced reasoned, you know, explanation for why you're either for or against something well then again what's the point you obviously haven't put in the time or the effort to try and understand the issue so until you do that how can you make an informed decision on that issue yeah exactly and 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 oh and like jeremy said a lot of it is just like people that want to be a part of that 
You know what I mean? They mm. want they want this like the the message is this is wrong, and I just want to be a part of something, and I also think it's wrong. And it's like, well, why? And and what about this? And then they they just have no idea, but they just want to be a part of that. They want mm. they want to feel important, and they want to be a part of that. You know. So we all just want community. Yeah, I mean humans humans are social animals, so it's uh, you know people people want to be a part of something they feel is bigger than themselves. That's that's been consistent throughout history. I feel inspired to speak out against injustice uh, just by this talk. So I think it's really important <laughs> that others out there who think that it's bullshit that they banned Second Sunrise because people don't have fun playing against eggs need to speak up with me. And we got to check that off the ban list because it's a fucking joke. Deckers are too good. It's just some people want to oppress it because they don't understand it. Uh, they haven't heard enough stories about it. Everything they hear is bad, so they believe it's bad. Um, it's a lot of fun. Jer. Yeah? No. You ain't winning that one, bud. <laughs> you, you should know full well that Brian Kibler does not endorse that, so it doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Conley Woods does. Conley Woods found a way to make it work without Second Sunrise. No, man. he didn't make it work. I mean, like, that's all a subjective discussion. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, what uh, what else is kind of going on, Chris? What uh, what other projects are you doing? Like, what's 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 happening? You know, um, not a whole lot. Working on a uh, science fiction trilogy with a buddy of mine. So that's really? um, yeah, like a, yeah. That that sounds fucking cool. Yeah, yeah. We we finished the first book. We're about a third of the way writing the second book, and we've got it storyboarded out about two thirds of the way through now. And then we already know, you know, where the third book's going to be going. So. It's just a matter of once we finish the second one, storyboarding the third one, and then and then writing it. And uh, yeah, hopefully you know, hopefully people like it. We're looking for a publisher right now for uh, for the first one, and um, hopefully we'll find someone soon. And um, yeah, it's uh, you know, uh, I'm I'm excited because I read a lot of science fiction, and uh, I think we have a pretty cool universe and a and a pretty cool story. And hopefully, other people will enjoy it as well. Right on. So, what can you give us like the gist of the first book, or is that top secret? Sure. Yeah. No. It's it's um. So it's it's kind of uh kind of a, like thriller slash science fiction um almost Jurassic Parkishy in that there's this uh, there's this planet. It's a um it's like a, a a moon orbiting a gas giant, and um it's about five hundred years in the future. Uh, humanity is now this interstellar empire through this MacGuffin of um you know being allowed to travel faster faster than light through these these wormhole gate things, and um basically there's uh. The, the the government of humanity is based on the prohibition of biohacking of manipulating genetic organisms because there was this um you know disaster that that wiped out earth and so that was how the the government was originally founded now power corrupts and uh at this point um you know about 100 200 years from that incident the government is now creating its own organisms in this secret lab on this moon where there is a paradise resort on top and so <laughs> you know monsters get let loose mayhem happens and uh <laughs> you know it, it it's it's i i like science fiction in that you can tell an entertaining story but then you're also able to to do more than that if you so choose so there there's also you know common threads in there of you know what does power do to people you know how how do we view ourselves like one one of the ways in which we're telling the story is is there's two different main characters and so 
one chapter is from one of the characters, uh, the next chapter is from the other character, and then the third chapter is kind of a omniscient narrative view in that, okay, here's how they think they're heroes in their own minds, but here's the kind of dispassionate view of what they're really doing, and you know, does do their actions match up with what they think of themselves? So, you know, just kind of looking at that. And then, um, so so that's the first one. It's more of kind of a uh, a personal story between these two guys. And then the second one is more of a, uh, a, a societal story where we pull the lens back and we're like, okay, you've seen kind of one world in this, in this universe. Now here's, here's the entire society. Here's the culture. Here's how these, you know, here, what, what does it mean to have a culture where the only streams of information pass through these gates that are controlled by the government? So effectively government has a monopoly on information. And that's something we're dealing with right now you know, with the NSA and, and the whole, you know, spying shenanigans that are going on. So yeah. what, what, what does that mean for a society? What does that mean for people who want to try and rebel against that? And, uh, you know, just kind of exploring ideas like that, where the, the, the very best science fiction, in, in my opinion, is it's not really science fiction. It's, it's dealing with things that we deal with right now or that we have dealt with and just putting kind of a, a different coat on them. So, you know, you're, you're approaching them from an unfamiliar angle. So that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, science fiction is great because it gives you beautiful plot devices. Yeah, oh, the, the MacGuffins you can do are amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you get to play with like a standard story. Uh, it, it's funny, I like when I always uh, describe, you know, going back, you know, two minutes ago about Ender's Game. I'd always mm-hmm. describe it. It's like, yeah, it's a sci-fi book, but it's not a sci-fi story. That's a, that's a great way to describe it. You know what else is like that? Fucking Star Wars. Damn right. <laughs> Star Wars is like Star Wars is so great because it is just the greatest story ever told, but just with <laughs> laser beams and laser swords. <laughs> you know what I mean? Joseph like, Campbell, I've, the hero's journey. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like I've seen some 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 science fiction movies and read some science fiction books where I'm just like, what? What the fuck is going on here? I don't care about any of this information that you're giving me at all. I this story is horrible, and I thought it was gonna be cool because. You know, a couple pages ago, you were talking about a big laser beam and aliens. But now, it's, 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 this, is, this, this is a terrible story. But then you go and you look at something like Star Wars, and you're like, yeah, it's been done, and oh, I'd heard it before. And, eh, da, 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 da. But the reason that it's been done and you've heard it before is because it's fucking awesome. <laughs> well, the important story is the characters, and it's not the lasers. Yeah, the lasers you know, are just but... extra. But they're like the cherry on top of your ice cream sundae. You know, ice cream's still good without cherries. Ice cream's great without cherries. And no one's like, oh man, you know, I'd love to have some ice cream, but I just had some like a month ago. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of sick of ice cream. No one says that. You know, it's no true. One, no one says that. No one says yeah, that. It's a bowl of sprinkles. That's a scientific fact. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. science. Science and science is great. Nope. <laughs> you know, speaking of science and science fiction, actually, has, has anyone, we haven't talked about this with the bros on the show either. Has anyone been watching that Cosmos show? No, uh, a couple episodes. No. Yeah, I've seen yeah. a couple episodes. It looks pretty cool. It's I I I I have no idea about any of that stuff. I know Neil deGrasse Tyson is becoming very popular amongst I don't know what to call them, but amongst like the popular science people. Like it, it, he's he's I, I'm on Reddit a lot, and they love him, and I'm on like. Uh, the internet a lot, and like a lot of places on the internet, they love him. Even though he's like an, like, he even said in a tweet today, I'm, you know, I'm over, I think like two hundred thousand followers, despite the fact that I keep telling people I'm an astrophysicist. Uh, science is obviously on the rise. So, um, but he does the show, he narrates it. It's a little bit juvenile um, because I think it's kind of aimed towards 
getting kids like super interested in science. Like he has like an imagination ship that he flies around the universe in. But it's not so juvenile that like I can't just bypass the five seconds of let's take an imagination trip to the galaxy. Because like the things that they do on that show is so amazing. And I think that it's so cool that that's a show on right now that is that like people like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I can't imagine regular well, when I say regular people I mean like people that are you know not necessarily interested in science like I'm not interested in say science I'm just interested in cool stuff but mm-hmm. like it's, I think it's awesome that like it's on a regular channel you know it's not on you know discovery only or it's not on you know like a and it's not on at 10 p.m. you know it's on in it's a sort of a primetime slot like I think and it's a very cool show it, it even my wife who hates space I don't know why I married her um <laughs> she hates space and she hates science basically because she just doesn't get it she even will sit down and watch that show with me and she thought it was so cool yeah and, and i think that's one of the great things that um neil degrasse tyson is doing is that he's making science something that is cool things like it, yep. it is something that that you can look at and be like this isn't just people in lab coats you know doing experiments this is like this is our world this is our universe and yeah you know i i think that's something that a lot of people kind of fail to notice because it's the world we live in, but we live in a science fiction world. I mean, like a lot of people take for granted the fact that they have a device at their fingertips with which they can access the entirety of human knowledge if they know the right questions to ask. <laughs> yeah, and yet, and yet that's science fiction. Bored. Yeah, they're constantly bored, right? That is yeah, right, right, exactly. Science fiction. Yeah, like you yeah. could you could go browse Wikipedia for the rest of your life and not read everything that's on there. Like, it's, I mean, and, and, and we didn't have that 10 years ago, 15 years ago. This is all brand new stuff. And, and we're constantly making more stuff. And, and you know, I, I think that's something that, that people hopefully will start to recognize with stuff like Cosmos and, and hopefully other shows is that, yes, yeah, science actually is pretty cool because it's, it's us finding out more about our world. It's, it's about interacting with, you know, with our planet and with the stuff around us and, and, you know, discovering things that we never knew and how can we make more cool things from this thing we never knew. And it's, it's pretty awesome. I'm super excited to show my daughter an encyclopedia. Yeah, 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 exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's going to blow her mind. Like, like the, the, the crazy thing I, so I, my, my two daughters are five and three and both of them by the time they were one and a half years old, they knew how to unlock the iPad and go to their apps. Like my, <laughs> my, listen, my daughter turns three in June. Mm-hmm. Okay. She has had an iPad for a year. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like to them, this is normal. Like they, yeah. they have no concept of a television show where you can only see it at one specific time. And if you miss it, it's not coming back. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. If it's not on demand or Netflix, it's right. not right. Yeah. Right. Not. right. Exactly. <laughs> like they, they don't know that world. That's not the world they live in. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they are like, I, I, my brother is about 15. So he's a little bit old. Like, yeah, he's a little bit older, but he's still like in the, in the heart of that. Right. Like he, mm-hmm. he, like he, his first cell phone was an iPhone when he was, you know, whatever age kids, goddamn kids got their cell phones. You know, when I was a kid, rah, 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 I was 16, but he was like nine, but it was like an iPhone and you know, he's had an iPod forever. And like, you know, it's like some kids, it's like if, if, if they're not watching a video, like my brother is more comfortable watching a video on his phone than he is on a television. Right, wow. exactly. Like, like, he will be on his phone watching the same thing I'm watching on the TV in the same room. Yeah, yeah, it was funny. I actually, I did a, um, 
I did a thing with a uh, YouTube earlier today. It was just like a quick bunch of like video hits or whatever. And you know, I, was, I was talking to them about this is that there, there's an entire generation of kids growing up who don't watch TV. All they do is watch live streams. And it's like, yeah. that's, that's the future. Like that, that's what people are going to expect. They're like, oh, well, you know, what's the live stream? Where can I watch it? You know, what Twitch channel is it on? You yeah. Know, it's like, what, what YouTube channel is it on? It's like, like no, no, this is, this is football. <laughs> they have that on a on a thing called a television and you is that an it. mlg thing yeah, yeah. exactly it's uh yeah no, can i, I'm, can I, I mean, call it... into cbs and bet my rares on who wins what yeah. how do i <laughs> yeah it's uh, but no i mean and that's 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 the world we live in and, and and you know what's funny is that that's always been the world we've lived in where things are constantly changing and you know what if if you can't keep up then you're gonna have a rough go of it like you can't you, you can't just say this is the way things are and that's how they'll always be no that's that's not how it works I was reading something the other day, a theory that somebody put forth that was like that. And it's like, um, when you're born, the technology that is around when you're born, you just accept as, uh, as a given, right? So your kids accept the um, iPad as it's, it's just a thing that you have. You have an iPad. When I was a kid, we had remotes. We had video games, right? We had cars, mm-hmm. air conditioning, radios. Uh, and then in the it's like in the first thirty five years of your life, I think it was, uh, if all the new technology that comes out is new and mm-hmm. exciting, and you're jacked about it, and you're like fucking Google Glass, that's awesome, and then like iPhones instead of cell phones, that's super cool, and Twitch streams now instead of TV, and then after about thirty five forty ish, all the new technology. Nothing's changed. There's still technology is still being invented and new things. And, you know, you should have a foundation of learning that allows you to just adapt to like the new iPhone 10. But for some reason, after that age period, it becomes unnecessary and you don't like it. Like, it's like, well, why did we need this? The, la- the old one was good. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I, th- I think it's a it's a Douglas Adams quote, right? Yeah, it's I think a, so. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Like every everything that. um yeah, everything you grow up with from, you know, from when you're born to 35 is, is your world. And then everything past that just doesn't make sense. It's alien. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Which I think is so funny because it like, it's super true. My dad, you know, was a technology guru. He was big on audio video stuff. He had a PA system. When I was three years old, I was running a PA and I was, you know, helping him DJ his, you know, parties or whatever. And I never, you know, I was never the kid to put a sandwich in the VCR type of thing. <laughs> you know, nice. And now he like he can't operate the iPhone that he is forced to have for his job. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he hates it. You know, yep. you know he got internet for the first time ever like three <laughs> months ago. <laughs> you know, like and it's but it's funny because you know twenty years ago if they had internet he would have been the guy that was like oh my god we have to buy this right now I'm a technology guy this is awesome, it's new technology, it's new this, and I have to have all the new stuff, but something just happened, you know, and after that, it's just, it's just weird to him, it's just too weird. Yep, yeah, so. that's, that's how it works. <laughs> great. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that, I got five more years till everything's alien to me. Yeah, exactly, live it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, um, I guess, I don't know, I don't know if there's a whole, we've been kind of going for quite a bit, I don't know if there's a whole lot, is there anything else anyone kind of wants to bring up? Uh, well, I think we have to ask for a scumbag story. Oh, yes. I think that's just general and so so for Chris who who you know probably hasn't heard our show before uh, or a lot of we have a thing where when we have a guest on we mm-hmm. we love to get scumbag stories from them we want you if you can 
to give us a really good scumbag story, either when you scummed somebody, preferably when somebody scumbagged you. Uh, and it could be anything. It could be the guy that backed into you this morning. It could be something from the <laughs> NFL. Uh, it can be the last troll you played at LOL with, you know? Um, let's see. Uh, shoot. I don't know that I have any really good scumbag stories. I... I was quite a uh, a feared forum troll on the uh, Wild Realm forums back when I played <laughs> on uh, Kill Jaden, but I I generally harnessed my powers for good in that I would um I would counter troll other trolls and okay. try to make them enraged like so. Tom Martell like Tom Martell yeah very good <laughs> so uh, yeah no I, I I try to I try to avoid most scumbag moments either by diffusing the situation or just you know telling the other person no you're just being a dick like <laughs> <laughs> oh man I need to get that on a t-shirt like troll yeah. no you're just being a dick goodbye <laughs> yeah no, I don't have uh... time for this shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, there, there's too much else going on out here for me to for me to pay attention to your stupidity. Absolutely. So, so yeah, sorry. I, I I don't I don't really have Let anything. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of boring. I apologize. You're far from boring. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, if there's if there's anything that you wanted to bring up or talk about, uh, I mean, anything at all, go ahead. If this is your time. Um, yeah, no, I, I think we covered pretty much just about everything. It's, uh, you know, I mean, just treat other people the way you want to be treated. It's not, it's not a hard concept. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, 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 it's applicable in just about every situation. So <laughs> absolutely. Does anybody, uh, KYP or, uh, Jared, do you guys have anything else? Scotty? No, it's amazing. No. amazing. Am I going to see you on Saturday, Jay? I don't know, man. I haven't heard back, so. But you're as not even going to show up? Well, as soon as money came into the deal, uh, the guy kind of pieced out. Uh, I don't know. I'm not just asking you to come and work. I'm asking you to get in your car and drive down because I'm going to be in Calgary so we can hang out. So I can get my draft sets from you? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> that works. Uh, yeah, I might, I might come get down your draft and, sets from me. I might come down and draft. Are you going to be around? Maybe we can get a cube in. Maybe. Well, no. <laughs> If it's in the first round, I'll probably be busy, but by the third, I should be done. Perfect. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Okay, well, I want to take this opportunity to uh, thank you very much, Chris, for coming on at such short notice. And uh, I thought, I, I think I had a, everybody had a great time. I, I know I certainly did. And uh, I, we really appreciate you kind of taking the time out of your day to, to come and hang out with us. Um, and at this time, if you have anybody that you want to shout out, you know, wife, girlfriend, you know, daughters, friends, whatever. Um, feel free to uh, to to give them a shout out, and if not, uh, you know, I just like I said, I really want to appreciate you coming on and giving us the time of day. I think our fans are really going to enjoy it. So. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me on. It's um, you know, I I, I love interacting with people, and uh, yeah, it's you know, just ask me on Twitter, and odds are I'll generally do it. <laughs> <laughs> so don't 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 be strangers out there, people listening. It's uh, it's it's social media. I'm I try to be social. <laughs> Awesome. So if you guys want to reach Chris, of course, on Twitter, you can reach him. He's uh, at Chris Warcraft. Uh, so we'll have that link in the show notes as well. That's just about it for this week. Jesus, it's a good one. Yeah, it was a good one. Tune in next yeah, week when yeah. we, won't have, uh, we won't have a guest, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> we've, had, uh, we've had four. You're our fourth guest in a row uh, after a long stretch of non-guests, Chris. So, oh, cool. Um, you get the, uh, what's that? I thought it was five. I felt like it was five. It might be five. Well, that's the thing. It might be five 
uh, I might just be lying so that our fans. Don't... Yeah, because we had we had <laughs> CVM and then we had Jerry. Oh man, I forgot about Jerry. And then Jerry we had couple. Cedric. Yeah. And then we had Curly. Yeah, and we we had Martell in there. Yeah. Did yeah, we, we have Martel? We did. Do we have Martel right before Jerry? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Steve Holy five. Jesus! Chris is number five in a row. So we're gonna have to take about a year off. Yes. <laughs> but I Blew your water early. Yeah, Fuck exactly. it. We're an interview show now. Fuck but it. I think, uh, I, think, <laughs> I think this is a really great episode uh, to you know take a little bit of a guest break anyway. And uh, and like I said, anytime you want to come back, we're uh, we're happy to have you. You. Uh, yeah. This was a great time. So if you. And you know, if you ever have another book you want to pitch, if you want some new holy magic- shit bags, can I interrupt to something real quick? Absolutely, sure. Yeah, I'm sorry. They just spoiled the entire visual spoiler for Vintage Masters. Oh, crazy! Anything good? Um, All let's the things. see. Um, here is the link. Curdy. Curdy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Balance, sick. Armageddon, Astral Slide. We knew Astral Slide. Astral Slide, yeah, we knew that. Battle Screech. Decree of Justice. What's with the words being bolded? That's um, a pick from the beta. Oh, okay. They're just lazy. Yeah. Nice. Noble Templar, that's nice. Sweet. Castle, Exile. Gerard's Battle Cry. Ah. It's the Decent Swords Pashers art. Zafrin Crusader, wow, I bashed face with that guy for a long time in Visions Block, holy shit. Visions Block? Well, Mirage, Visions, Weatherlight, yeah. Yeah, nice, that's, a, that's old, that's old Back ass. Back when I played. Yeah, that's, that's when I stopped playing. Damn right, yeah. <laughs> when, when, when they had flanking. Yeah, yeah when, flanking uh, was awesome! It was, I remember flanking. I used to draft, oh, like, the most man. aggressive green-white flanking decks, they were absurd. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, th- th- that was also part of the reason I stopped playing. Was like, all right, here's this new mechanic. If you don't have these cards, you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> you're fucked. Wildfire emissary was the bomb. Man, in that look fucking at killer format. whale. I forgot about killer whale. Yeah, oh, he's good too. High tide. High tide's gonna be a thing. Flying for one. What the fuck? Palancron oh. is gonna be gross. Cool, cool man drain. Yeah. Of. Stroke, of course. How much is this gonna cost? A oh, million fucking dollars. Like, each okay, draft not, is going to be... giving anybody to Magic Online. Fuck those guys. Upheaval, Jay. Don't pass Upheaval. And you never do. You never pass it. They put Baleful Force in this set. That's hilarious. Baleful Force is from the Commander expansions that just came out. Oh, crazy. Choking ah. Sands. Well, anyway, Chris, uh, like I said, we had a great time. So if you ever want to come back, uh, feel free. Always, You're always welcome. Yeah, yeah, just let me know. And thanks a lot, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having right. me on. Hey, no problem. Have a great night. Thanks. You too. Bye. All right. Later. That was a really good guest. Was yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, so do we just want to finish up with Yagmas Bargain? Awesome. We're almost done here. I'm almost through them all. Chaos Warp <laughs> is printed. Oh, That's they have, sick. They have Drake Warren Forgotten, which is a card from Conspiracy. Yep. That's kind of cool. Uh, Tyrant's Choice is there as well. Uh, Chain Lightning. Gamble. Good old classic. Goblins are going hot and heavy, but we knew that. Holy oh, shit, look at, look at this fucking... Look at the art on Living Death. Holy yeah, it's absurd. Bizarre Cube. I haven't gotten to the lands yet. Damn it. Bizarre is so good. Uh, green cards have to... Yeah. 
Tyrant's Choice, yeah, Visara. I don't think the green cards are very good, but I didn't play Oath, so I don't know. Or Fellows. Library. Yeah, like, I don't know. Like, Elvish Aberration. Eureka. No. Eureka. Bale, Baleful Strix is good. Um, like Psychotog, Psychotog, Spirit Monger. Oh my God! Dax Duplicate. Yeah, it seems sweet. Wow! Except that that's a new that's a new conspiracy Ooh, card that yeah, had, it is. that yeah. hadn't been and it hadn't been spoiled yet. Correct. Look Fuck. at the new art on Skull Clamp. It's insane. That, card, that card's fucking awesome. You you get clone, but it gets haste and dethrone. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? I know that card's really good. Holy shit! New art on Time Vault isn't terrible, but like seriously, that Skull Clamp. That Skull Clamp. <laughs> I'd already Somebody's seen. Brain. I think I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'd already seen that art. Oh, Kajeldran Outpost! I'm so excited! My favorite land of all time! And right next to it is Lake of the Dead. Oh, so good. So good. Strip mine. Yeah. Why would they have City in a bottle in this? Why not? What the fuck? <laughs> Sweet. City in a bottle. Okay, great. <laughs> wow, set looks crazy ass. Edric, Spymaster of Trest is in this set? Oh. This is going to be good, guys. Yeah, this Vintage Masters looks like it's going to be the shit. So if you guys are into that thing, I would definitely friggin' do it. That's ridiculous. Definitely into shit. So. Oh man, I feel like I need to bizarre beg that in my queue, but that card's probably a billion dollars, isn't it? Yeah. It is, yeah. It's, a, it's just under three in paper. What the fuck? So well, it's because it's a four of in vintage dredge, right? Oh uh, yeah. So, anyways, ladies and gentlemen, that was episode one hundred and eighty of the eighteen podcast. Jay, you did a fucking fantastic job interviewing Chris. It was pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I hope I hope it was cool. I hope it was. I hope I hope everybody enjoyed it. I think he was a really fucking cool guy, man. Holy shit, we've had some guests on that we thought were gonna be cool, and then they're just like dead, wet blankets. <laughs> they're just they they are farts, you know. <laughs> They don't make a whole lot of noise, but they smell real bad. <laughs> it's like almost all of them to you. <laughs> what? Don't, don't, paint, don't paint this picture of me, KYT, that I hate all of our guests, you fucker. It's almost like Jay becomes the part when there's some guests on. Some guests, yes. Michael Flores. <laughs> our hardcore fans can tell how much Jay are in each guest episode, Jay. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I become the KYT of the guest episode. <laughs> that you don't like. <laughs> That's for sure, yeah. yeah. Just so you don't absolutely. like to hear the keyboard more. <laughs> yes, no, yes, dear. Like, how many times did you hear my keyboard this episode? I'll tell you. Fucking zero, because I yeah. actually closed Dota. Whoa! Whoa! Bullshit. Yeah. I was not playing any Dota this entire interview. I have, the, the what I have open in my internet, I hope this is still recording. What I have it open is, in, is. My, in my internet window right now, I have, uh, I was doing some Pathfinder stuff before you guys showed up, so that's my first tab. Uh, then I have Chris Cluey Wikipedia page. Then I have <laughs> Mythic Spoiler, <laughs> then I have Mythic Spoiler for Conspiracy open. Then I have my email open because we were getting, we were trying to get in touch with Chris because there's like a hundred of them on Skype. 
Then I have a Google page opened for Transistor because when he mentioned it, I opened it just in case we went really deep on that subject. And now I have the Vintage Modern Master or the Vintage Masters uh, thing open. And that's it. That and Skype are the only things that are open on my computer. Wow, Jay. See? 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 Thank yeah. you. Thank you, you. fuckers. <laughs> it's really too bad you uh, phone in every other episode, huh? Oh! <laughs> well, hey, wait, wait till Conspiracy comes out, because then I'll be fucking playing Magic. Yep. You know, well, until then, I'm not playing really any Magic. <laughs> well, I, I'm excited next week to hear about uh, the PTQ and hear how that went. Yeah. So that'll be awesome. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much Magic uh, KYT you'll be playing. You don't have anything going on, do you? No, no, I'll be heading to uh, Vegas with my family for a week. So. Oh, nice. so are you off next week? I am off. You're not here next week? Well, that's like every other week, as everyone would say. <laughs> uh, well, I uh, think you've doubled your word count so far, just in that last little statement. Yeah! All right. Got there. Beautiful. So, but, no uh, KYT. Maybe we'll fill him with a Kenji. Ooh. Go for six. Fuck it. Wait, interview wait. show. <laughs> interview show. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck it. Interview show. I mean, remember when Remember when we did that a little while ago and Scott was like Oprah and then Chris Lansdale complained about it? I think he was the... I mean, I'm sure other people did too, but he was like the biggest celebrity that complained about it. I remember that. <laughs> the biggest celebrity? <laughs> Well, I don't know what else to call him. Magic personality? I don't yeah, know. That, that's, nice. that's a good yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way I better. Mean, like, is he a celebrity? Like, what makes a celebrity? Are I you mean, a celebrity? Are we celebrity? I mean, fucking, yeah, I am. I have fucking... <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, but, uh, but, yeah, so, you know, I hope everybody likes it. Uh, you know, we did get some feedback on the last episode that Curly sounded like shit, which we said, or I said, on the episode. Um, so we'll try not to have any guests that sound like complete hogwash in uh in the future but um yeah i don't know if you don't like guests tell us what you do like so we'll have those on the show you yeah if you to... don't like our the guests that we pick then get guests for us yeah because you know that's the thing is like up until i'd seen for example seen that conspiracy video i would have never thought to have chris on the show like i would like i and like i said i followed the guy for like two years i know he's a really cool guy yeah uh, i i didn't know up until about six months ago that he was like a like he was like a like a a person you know, making millions of dollars a year to kick a football. You know, I just thought he was a guy, you know, um, like all of us. So, and I think he turned out to be a really great guest. So I really hope that the the fans, um, you know, comment whether you liked him or not. And, uh, and yeah, if, if there's somebody out there that you think's cool, um, you know, you can suggest them to us. Because I'll give you a little secret here. Uh, I don't know who fucking anybody is. So uh, I'm probably just going to say who the fuck is that. And then Scott will tell me, and then we'll probably have them on. You know, that's how all the other guests <laughs> go. Um, so, you know, like like earlier when I was talking about how I didn't know who Kenji was, and then now I just want Kenji on the show so bad because he seems like such a fucking cool guy. And I didn't I didn't really know what the big deal with uh, Kenji was before. I was like, whatever, these guys just fuck up about Kenji all the time. But he seems cool. So, you know, tell us who you want on the show. Right. Tell us if you want nobody on the show. Yeah, you can do that too. <laughs> I love how you start the interview with, like, I really don't know anything about you. You know, for me, for me personally, that's the coolest type of interview. Because, A, like, because when you're watching an interview, 
you know if the person who's watching it knows that person or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can you can you can watch an interview with someone and and be like, oh, okay, these guys are asking questions that this guy clearly knows the answer to that are set up. But I would I I I just prefer interacting with people a whole lot more. You know, I mean, I did a little bit of research on Chris before, but I didn't want to like I didn't want to come in and I didn't want to pre you know prepare him with questions and stuff like that. And uh, and I think you know it's a little bit of the uh, the Jaybush charm, you know. So, yeah. Next time uh, episode, we're going to have somebody on, and we're going to make KYT interview them. Oh, that's going to be exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm going to have two, two modern PTQs in June, so in Montreal, so this is going to be uh, right when I get back, it's going to be major grind, and I'll be jobless. Nice. Like Jay, so. Well, I, I can tell you that, like, for the for for your return, we can talk. We'll schedule to talk a bunch of modern because I'm starting my modern testing this week. Um, so like tonight, since this goes up Monday, I have Andy Peters on the stream with me. We're going to be battling with Blue White Red Twin. Sweet. Um, yeah. So his list, he's he's pretty high on. So we're going to see how well it works. It's it's been an interesting deck for me to play because I've kind of been like the games that I've won have been not fucking close. Like they are just blowouts. And the games that I've lost have really only been to like, like situations where like my opponent's on seven mana and I'm on three, like you know, like there's there's some a lot a bit of variance. My sample size isn't enormous yet, but um, it looks very promising. So we'll see how it all shakes up. But that Sweet. said, I, I mean I've been playing a lot of blue white red Geist as well. I'm talking to Jason, obviously real little genius, but uh, recently Larry Swayze as well just mentioned that he's like I think I might be geisting in Boston. So he and I are having some discussions on that as well, and of course like Curly and crew are all just like play gender die. So I don't know, man. I got a lot of testing to do, so we're gonna get to it and start it in earnest. So I'm looking forward to it. Sweet. Next time on the A Team Podcast. Man, we could start doing that now. Last time on the A Team Podcast, the boys were joined by Chris Cluey, who talked about blah blah blah. And then at the end of the episode, next time on the A Team Podcast. <laughs> that would be like we're organized to know what we're doing every week. Oh man, like remember when Jeremy joined the show and then he was like, hey, maybe we should have meetings and show notes, and we are all just like fucking <laughs> 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 noob. I remember that. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen. See you guys next time. Do the right thing. Sunrise.